Today's episode is brought to you by Royal Decca. When I first had the idea to start the show, I had no clue how I was going to create it. I didn't even really know what podcasting was, to be honest. I listened to one Joe Rogan Experience episode, and I got so hyped, I was like, I want to do this too. So I was clueless. I started Googling, and I came across RoyalDeca.com, and I met James, Daniel, and Travis. And these dudes skated, so I was perfect. I'm talking to skateboarders, you know, which is uh, we already communicate alike, and we think alike too. And these guys basically said, look, we got you. We love podcasting. And you know what we really want to do is we want to help create a lot more skateboarding podcasts. So they pretty much went above and beyond. They answered every question. They responded back to every email in, in good time, and their pricing was more than fair. And more importantly, they got me to the point where I could maintain my show myself, which is amazing. And I'm very grateful. So check out all they do at RoyalDeca.com. This episode is also brought to you by All I Need. I know a lot of you listeners have been tuned into the show for over a year. You know all about AIN. But for those just tuning in now, All I Need is skateboarding. Uh, It saved my life. Pretty much everything I have in my life that I care about has stemmed from skateboarding. My work, my love, my my whole existence, to be honest. And I know that's that's how it is for a lot of people. They dedicate themselves to something that enriches their life, skateboarding. So we started this brand in a recession. And we started with t-shirts, which grew to beanies and hoodies and snapbacks, which then grew to creating skateboard decks. And that's been amazing, putting our friend's art onto the skateboard decks. And we created a video, Thrive, Prosper, Rise. We have a skate team we sponsor. And my homie Dan Films, Dan McGrath Films and edits our videos, which is rad. So we get to work with people, you know, that film and edit. And this has also grown into a contest as well. All I need, we decided to sponsor, we decided to create and sponsor this contest because we needed it in our skate area we didn't have anything like this i saw all these big contests come and go and there's still amazing skateboarders so we created the new england am we're on our second year now it was amazing we had over 300 people enter we had over 24 skate shops come from all over the country uh it blew my mind to be honest we also produced this podcast the shetler show i created the podcast because of all i need I knew we needed a voice. We needed a way to, like, share our mission statement. So the podcast was born. And thanks to Royal Decca, they helped create it. So it's pretty awesome. And if you guys want to check out all we do, go to allineedskate.com. Today's guest is Dr. David Sales. I think I heard about David from Manny or Bachinski. I know I've seen him online a few times, but, man, you guys are in for a treat. This dude is passionate about sports medicine, recovery, nutrition, a whole bunch of stuff, man. I seriously just sat back and listened to him talk because he had a lot of knowledge and information, and he expressed it amazingly. So, enjoy. All right, Dave. What's up, man? Not much. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm uh, just a long day. Worked a little bit. Didn't get a skate today. I wish I did. How are you? I'm good. I got to see patients all day and uh, just a normal, typical day. Where are you located right now? I'm in uh, Southern California. I am in a city called Capistrano Beach, which is right on the border of San Clemente. 
Ooh, it's beautiful in that area. Super, super nice. Uh, good weather pretty much majority of the year. Um, very, very fortunate. To That's be awesome. Did you grow up around there? I did. I did. My uh, my dad moved down here probably in, I think, the late 60s from L.A. area. Uh, he was originally from, from Illinois and then uh, came out here to kind of chase his whole dream of health care and the whole thing. And uh, he was a doctor as well. And uh, and so settled down um, here in Capo Beach. It's it's you know kind of South Orange County, in between about an hour north of San Diego and about an hour south of Los Angeles. So it's perfect, right in between the two. Wait, so your fa- your father was into um, sports medicine as well? Yeah, yeah. He actually, of all things, was Jason Jesse's chiropractor. Wow. Um, back in the day, and that's what got me, you know, hyped when I was a kid. You know, he'd come in the practice, and uh, you know, I knew who he was, and he'd bring me he'd bring me boards and the whole deal. What? And uh, that was one of my biggest kind of influences and inspirations. And I, I mean, I skated every single day from the time I was in. I started young. I was pretty much I was in kindergarten when I started skating. But that was back in the day when it came to like their flex boards and the whole deal. You could literally go to a like a Rite Aid or a CBS. And we used to have like save on drugs and you could buy skateboards in those places. So they were always, you know, bad boards, cheesy boards. And then, you know, my dad got me my first board. Like my first real board was it was a Vision Gator. Uh, and I uh, got that, and then Jason started bringing me boards, you know, a couple of years later, and then I started skating, and then we actually, behind the same practice, the same location where I'm located now was where my dad used to practice, mm-hmm. and uh, and so, but he used to we build me a mini ramp in the back, um, we had some, some, like, a pretty big area in the, in the back of the uh, of the office, so he'd build me a mini ramp, you know, um, which was really cool, so he, he was really behind this whole thing about you know, I mean, you know, sports and they're basically skateboarding and surfing and snowboarding. He was a huge advocate for it. And so his patients, are the he used to treat a lot of the local, uh, Grayson's uncle, for instance, and Grayson Fletcher's family. Um, he was their chiropractor back in the day as well. So, and now it's interesting because, you know, Grayson's a patient here and, and his, uh, his uncle Nathan and I grew up together, who's a, you know, big time professional surfer. And then Christian Fletcher, his name, uh, Grayson's dad is also a patient here. So it's kind of cool how it's, you know, it's full circle with my dad coming yeah. from this background and then you know yeah that's really wild that's awesome when you were sorry um skype is fucking up <laughs> sorry one second david i'm sorry you breaking up for a second sorry. yeah one second one second okay let's wait for skype to catch up sorry sometimes it breaks up a little bit in the beginning all right. All right. Do we got a clear line now? Yeah, we're good. All right, cool. Um, I wanted to say, um, that's kind of crazy. Did you ever get hurt on your skateboard and your dad just kind of worked on you? Multiple, multiple times. See, it was, it was kind of at one of those, those pivotal times in my life where he was still kind of pushing me towards baseball and your traditional jock sports. And I just, I didn't want to do it at all. I just never felt right. And I never forget, you know, one of those times I went to baseball practice and I was on my skateboard, but I had just broken my, my arm. I had a mini ramp in my backyard as well at my house. Sick. That, uh, you know, it was cool because, you know, he knew some of the older neighborhood kids knew how to skate and he knew I didn't know how to build ramps. And so rather than just, you know, saying, okay, son, have at it, he'd, uh, he'd go talk to the neighborhood kids and say, hey, if, if I take you guys right now and go buy a bunch of lumber, you're going to build a good ramp, you know, for, for my son in the backyard. Which was huge back then. No parents ever did that kind of stuff. And so, uh, and so he would do that. And then, uh, but I remember showing up to baseball practice with a broken arm and, uh, I was in the cast and the sling and all that, but also on my skateboard. And all the coaches looked at me and were just shaking their head. And my dad said, 
You know, it, it's his decision. So it was cool. And that was probably when I was in, I want to say that was when I was in fifth or sixth grade. So it was kind of that, that one, you know, kind of time in my life where it was either make the decision to go more of the jock sports and try to play high school sports and all that, or I'm going to move on with skating and snowboarding and surfing, and that's what I did. Yeah, I, I was reading uh, your bio earlier online, and it said that you got into snowboarding as well, like pretty heavy, huh? Yeah, I did. Uh, I was lucky enough to, to kind of, you know, I, I hate like the term, you know, pro snowboarder, but but I definitely got, you know, paid to travel around. I did that for about six years, and I rode for a really good, you know, really good local company. Uh, that was, you know, it was a huge company too. They were uh, they were a solid, solid support system. And then uh, I, I kind of chose that path because it, it suited me. You know, I mean, skating's a very it, it's. It's one of the greatest things in the world, but you have to really put a lot of time in. It's difficult. Either you have it or you don't. It's yeah. Like, you know, you can enjoy it and this and that, but either you really excel at it. And snowboarding, for some reason, with me was something that I started young before a lot of other people did. And so I was fortunate enough that my dad would would really help me out there too. So he would take me up to Big Bear on the weekends and things like that. And so I was able to progress. And then I started going to Mount Hood um, up in Oregon. Uh, and so that's where I got to see places like Burnside and all these different things, you know. And they had ramps as well at, at the camps. So I would skate all summer long and snowboard. And so it really kind of progressed my snowboarding. And I just got I got better faster at that. And so that's what I stuck with. Damn, you had such a sick upbringing. Your dad was like backing it fully. And I, you're just yeah, I don't, want to, I don't want to sound like a spoiled little bitch. But I, dad, I lived in Southern California. Dad was a doctor. <laughs> the whole deal. I mean, it was it was great. But the thing is this. I will tell you, my, because of, like, my father came from nothing. Zero. Yeah. Grew up on a, uh, on a ranch um, in the middle of Peoria, Illinois, in the middle of the sticks. Um, lived in a tiny little one-room house, no running water, no electricity, um, and uh, came from eight brothers and sisters. And he was the only one who ever actually like went to college and did anything like that. Damn. But the crazy part was when he was six years, let's see, he quit school and he was 12 years old. And uh, one teacher of his said, hey, you know what, Steve, you're, you're better than all this. You need to get out of Peoria. You need to go change your life, go figure something else out. And he enlisted when he was 15 or 16 uh-huh. in the Korean War. <laughs> went and fought and he went into the navy and when he was on the ship i guess there was a couple guys that were into like lifting weights and things like that which was unheard of this is in the 50s or i don't know i think 50s or something and no one even knew what it was but he was hyped on it he loved it he was good at it so then he went back to illinois started a, a gym which was unheard of too there was no such thing as health like you know clubs or gyms like that so he starts this place called a health studio and uh, became Mr. Illinois. Became like really into lifting weights. Became a bodybuilder. Wait, then he, he actually he actually was Mr. 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 Illinois. Illinois. Wow. Mr. Illinois. Yeah. And then from there, he heard Florida was a place where all like the the top bodybuilders were. So he went to Florida. Became Mr. Florida. And then when he was in Florida, he became a physical therapist. He became a licensed PT. And then heard that chiropractic was the was the doctor of the future. Yeah. And uh, so he moved out to LA. Went to school. Did it for a while, and it, you know, and at first it just wasn't. It wasn't really. People didn't know what a chiropractor was. You know, yeah. it was considered like a voodoo witch doctor, and that we didn't have any education and things like that. So people didn't know, and uh, and that was kind of the thing where he he sold used cars for a while, and with like a last name of sales and the whole thing. You know, it's pretty pretty ironic that how how it worked out there. But he ended up selling my mom a used car, and my mom found out he was a doctor. My mom was just some young naive you know lady, and and she's like, "You're a doctor, Steve. What are you doing? You be a doctor." Yeah. So he moved. They moved down here, and uh, that's when he uh, he bought a building and he started, you know, kind of kind of from scratch. But basically, back to answer your question, yeah, life was great growing up. But the thing is, he taught me a work ethic. And and, and the unfortunate part of the story is, he passed away when I was barely seventeen years old. Oh, so uh, he was he was killed in a car accident when I was young. But he gave me, I'd say, a solid 
four years of like the best parenting a dad ever could. And that four years is what really, I'd say, changed and, and kind of directed my life towards a different path. But I, and the crazy part when I, like the decision why I became or why I chose to become a doctor was when I had so many of his patients come up to me when I'd see them out throughout the town or wherever and they'd say, Hey, your father was the best doctor. Yeah. One of the best doctors we've ever known in our entire life. And, it, and he was a chiropractor, like I said. It, it wasn't like your dad was a good guy. It wasn't this, but he was such a caring individual. Have you ever considered going into healthcare? And I never thought about it because I was into, at that point, you know, snowboarding or surfing or whatever it might have been. I didn't, skating, I didn't care. I was like, yeah, you know, down the road, down the road. So for me, it wasn't, you know, that was kind of thing. I was chasing the dream for a while. Like the snowboarding thing, I, I rode pro up until, I want to say, around 2000. Um, you know, probably around, yeah, ni- like right around 2000, 99, 2000. And so the time was limited. It was like, well, what am I going to do next? And then uh, one of my ex-girlfriend's dads, he, uh, he told me, he said, hey, you know, when are you going to grow up and, and actually, you know, potentially take, you know, carry on the legacy that your yeah. dad left? And it wasn't as if my dad never for- he never told me, hey, I want you to be a doctor. I never, you know, he never, he never put that pressure on me. But the cool thing about it was that he always, he always motivated, but he always educated. And so and that's exactly what we do as doctors. Yeah. My goal is to educate you, to teach you what to do when you're not in my office. See, people think that, that doctors are this, like, these healers and all this, you know, this bullshit. It's not, not what works. You know, and people, it's funny, like, um, David Gonzalez, you know, he always calls me Dr. Jesus. And it's, uh, I'm always like, dude, you gotta be kidding me. It's like, dude, you touch me and I'm better and so much faster than this and that. And the only difference, the reason why I get better results is, is because I care. And I think more importantly in healthcare, if you don't care, then you're never going to get the results out of your patients, but they see me having passion for what I do, and I give them the latest advancements in what we call progressive sports rehab, so we get amazing results. It works. It's a really good protocol that we run, and and you know the the weird part about it is that just not that many people like to do as what it takes in order to get these patients healthy, but um you know more and more I think I think these skaters are starting to see it and they're starting to realize that hey, there's a better way we can take care of our bodies. Because the thing is this, everyone thinks it's not cool to, I don't know, wear helmets or knee pads or, you know, whatever. It's not, it's not cool, let's be honest. (laughs) It doesn't look as cool. It's not cool at all. But what's really not cool is sitting on a couch, you know, sitting there broken off and never that. So my point is when it comes to prevention, right? So it's not wearing pads and they're going to prevent shit. But what we can do is teach you better balance teach you better equilibrium, we can make you more agile, we can make you more flexible, we can make you stronger, increase, you know, the integrity of your joints. That's the that's the whole goal and with like kind of what I do here. But at the end of the day, like I said, if you don't care for your patients, if you really don't give a shit and it's, you're doing it for, for money per se, you know, my goal is is really to spend the time educating. So yeah. I feel doctors are, are more teachers than, than anything else. Yeah, because when, when someone's hurt, I mean, I went to a physical therapist before and chiropractors and stuff, and when you're hurt, you're kind of vulnerable, like mentally, especially if you're a professional right. athlete and that's how you make your money, you know? So if you go in and the person's like, doesn't have any passion and isn't really explaining anything, it's like, I, which has happened to me in the past, it, it just, you, you leave there and you're like, fuck, I still feel lost and I don't know how to recover and like, <laughs> and that's how I, I felt. Um, oh, yeah. But the crazy part is this, though. It's like, do you think any doctors know what a what a hot pocket is? They have no clue. Or a swell bow. They're no, like- and zero. And so they. And that the funniest part is too is uh, you know I've got a couple athletes in here right now, and they're all doing their ACLs and stuff like that. And the doctors all tell them they they recommend, hey, you know what? Um, you should just consider stopping. You know, you should stop skateboarding. Yeah. And that's not that's like the first that's their first recommendation that they make. Not oh, anything no. with 
nutrition, not anything with like, hey, you want to consider possibly wearing a knee brace or you want to consider doing something different. That's the problem is that these doctors have no clue because they've been educated in a specific way. And, you know, and, 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 and unfortunately, it's, it's, it's ignorance, you know, and it's not their fault. It's just that's what's taught in the medical schools. You know, they don't learn about all these different approaches and these different things. Um, it, it's kind of one of a it's, – it's a difficult thing, you know, kind of to battle against because, you know, your goal is to try to help these people, show them these, these ways. And, and a lot of times people, you know, they're not open to it because it's not what they call conventional. Yeah. You're considered alternative healthcare providers. To me, what's alternative is putting a bunch of drugs in your body, you know, uh, pharmaceuticals and all these different things. That to me is not normal. That to me considers alternative. Try the natural way first. Try the, the, the way, you know, your basic logical brain will tell you. Try that. If that doesn't work, then great. Then you move on to the medical aspect, you know, and you go that, that conventional medicine thing. But um, it's, it's an interesting kind of, you know, battle to see. And most of the dudes, thank goodness, they're open to it. You know, I love seeing these guys. They're, uh, I, I like working with the guys that have a really good work ethic. Yeah. Um, that's why I have a lot of respect. It's not really, to be honest, even talent so much. Granted, you know, certain dudes come in here just like the guy's most amazing skateboarder in the world. But it's the guys that come here and they work their ass off the whole time. I don't have to tell them one time, hey, dude, come on, get off your you know, Instagram or do this. <laughs> They're working, 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 sweating their ass off. And not to mention, I'd say probably 90% of all my patients come from Long Beach North. Damn. I'm, I'm an hour, hour and a half, you know, I mean, drive every time. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And I wish I could be a little further up north in L.A. But the problem is. I just I hate traffic. I I don't deal well with traffic. So. Yeah, especially in California, they're driving an hour and <laughs> the fucking traffic's so bad. God, no, man. I know. It's, it's one of those things. But but yeah, it's kind of crazy to see. So those are the guys too that I have a lot of respect for. You know, they're the guys that are coming all the way down. Like I mean, Austin Gillette, for instance, he's one of the one of the dudes. He came down. He did both knee surgeries at the same time. What? He had two surgeries in one day on both knees. And and the crazy part was he drove three days a week all the way from L.A. To come down for therapy, and he was so dedicated, had phenomenal result. I mean, you know, he's he's skating great. Um, but it's one of those things where he was willing to put in the work, and that's kind of like the whole take-home lesson here. Yeah. You put in the work when it comes to skating, when it comes to life in general, therapy, life. You're gonna have a much better result. And and most people try to find that that kind of cush ease, you know, easy aspect. And you know what? The best things come to like with hard work. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I want to say that you guys are very important because I know every time I go to like a normal doctor with an injury and they ask how I ha how it happens and I'm like skateboarding and they say what you what you said, they say they go, oh, you shouldn't do that. Like you probably aren't going to be able to do that again and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. But they fail to realize that like. I have to skateboard. It's, it's my such therapy. It's my life. Part. It's yeah. They, they're they're fucked. Life. So <laughs> that I, when I went to a, I went when you go to like someone who actually specializes in sports medicine, like you'll actually have the information and realize you're not going to go, hey, sh Anthony, don't skate. You're going to go, hey, let's figure out how to get you back on your fucking board. And that's what the, that's the difference though as well. You bring up a great point. Is the people that are into what we call progressive sports rehabilitation, like what I do, versus your conventional traditional PT or you know something like that. Your yeah. basic, real kind of run of the mill vanilla you know physical therapy. The difference is is that if you look at these professional athletes, whether they're basketball or football or anything like that, but like the big mainstream athletes, those guys come back after a dislocation, dislocated elbow, four, five, six days later. How do they do that? See, that's the big question here. It's because they're with the right doctors. And that's where, you know, we pride ourselves upon is, is being a specialist of knowing what to do. I can't tell you how many events this has happened at where, you know, like certain guys will bring me to events to, to work on them, um, you know, before and during the contest. And, I mean, someone will roll an ankle mid-run, and then I'll, they'll come up, run back up. I'll do whatever I got to do, boom, do some tape, 
do some mental work with them. So get them back where they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they can go back out and skate and boom, they come out and they win a contest. I mean, that kind of stuff to me, it's all about results. That's the most important thing in the world is, you know, I like working with these guys and, and if they believe in themselves and they know that they're healthy, they're, you know, they're, they're that much harder to beat bottom line. So in this day and age, now that there's a lot of money involved, yeah, you, know, you want every advantage as you, you can possibly have. And that's the one thing too, is, you know, there's a lot of dudes that are coming in and people, they freak out. They're like, what? Dude, Dustin Dolan is actually working out in your office. Like, I don't get it. Like, it makes no sense. People don't realize that these guys actually do play an active role. They're true athletes. As yeah. much as you guys hate saying it like that, I, it's a sport. It just it is what it is. In my opinion, it is a sport. The thing is, you guys are competing. It's judged. I'm not everybody, but the point is, it, it's it's really it's an active thing. You know, it's something that uh, that the the more you you play a role in, like you know, and let's just say in performance though, and taking care of your body. The better you're gonna perform on your skateboard. It's just it's, it's, and, it's common sense. It's and, uh, it is a sport, but it's um the truth is it is a sport to some people, you know, and that's what's so cool about skateboarding. I, I talk about this all the time. Is like it's not like the other sports, and the fact that like you have to get good grades or you need a coach or whatever, you can kind of just skateboard on your own, you know, and uh, you can actually be part of the industry. That's the best part. You need absolutely nobody, and that's the coolest thing about it being independent. And what I like about it more even than surfing. Is is that I'm mean, obviously I like the water much better to fall on, but when it comes to when it comes to to you know skating is you can go back and, and repeat and repeat and repeat you can keep trying. Whereas surfing, you, your variables change constantly with waves and winds and all that other you know that other bullshit. With skating, it's like granted you have rain, then you go find an indoor park, you find you know a garage, you find somewhere to go yeah. you know do something like that. It's great because there's always the opportunity. And the one thing that I've noticed with all the places I've been throughout the world. And I mean, skating's taken me to multiple places, way more than than my own personal desire to go travel. It's, it's been really cool. Um, but I've seen skateboards in every part of the world. I mean, the most random places. I'll never forget. Years ago, I was on I, I was on a ranch in Michoacan, Mexico. I was on the roof of somebody's house, and there's not even there's not even you know concrete roads or, or you know asphalt roads or anything like that around. It. It's all dirt roads just to get to this like little house. And but the roof is flat. It's flat concrete. There was a skateboard on the roof, and I just remember going, like, who, who skateboards here? Like, how, where? And there was a bunch of, like, like, kids and stuff like that. But my point is, I think everybody comes across a skateboard at some point in their life, and that's the coolest thing about it, is that, is that it touches some, you know, people's life, whether it's good or bad, you know. A lot of people get on it once, and they, they, it slips out from underneath them. They break a hip or something, they're never going to get on it again, obviously. Yeah. But the one thing is, is that skateboarding affects, I think, like the entire world, the whole entire, I mean, everybody at one point in their life most likely have been on a skateboard. And most people can't say that for snowboarding or for surfing because you got to yeah, live on a coast, true. you got to live in the mountains or snow. But with skateboard, it's kind of a weird thing. So I think, uh, you know, to me, I love the aspect of how many unique individuals are involved, but how independent it really is. You need nothing else but your skateboard. And I mean, even on carpet, even on dirt, you can still yeah. skate. It's funny it's that cool. in Mexico they found the only concrete. It's so funny. <laughs> um, uh, well, I grew up like uh, I grew up in the projects, like broken family in the projects. I talk about it a lot on my podcast. Definitely not a sad story because I gained a lot of good qualities from growing up that way. A lot of uh, perseverance and strength yeah. and understanding and perspective. And uh, but with that being said, the reason why I fell in love with skateboarding was because. You know, I had anger issues, so I wasn't going to do good in school. 
uh, sports was out because you got to do good in school, and they're yelling at me too. So I'm like, fuck. And skate and everything else was out too because it's too expensive. But skateboarding, once you get one board, you could have that thing for a year while, while you're learning, you know. And it's just you. All you need is a curb or some roof in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wherever it is, no matter what. And, and it's it's so true. So many guys will say that, you know. Is and that's what I've seen. And especially, I went down to Medellin, Colombia, with with David Gonzalez. And spent, you know, I think it was about 10 days down there. It was absolutely incredible to see the parks and to see, like, his culture and everything where he came from. I mean, it was absolutely unbelievable. Without skating, for sure, David's life would have been obviously 180 degrees different. You know, it would have been completely different. Did you go down there with him or did you go down there to meet him? With him. Yeah, I went down there with him. Just to check it out? Just to chill. I, I speak Spanish, too. So and so I love I love Latin American Give countries. us a little sample. Give us a little sample of something. ¿Qué quieres escuchar? Yo, yo puedo hablar como tú quieres. What's that mean? Uh, you tell me what you want to hear. I can I can say whatever you want me to say. Um, just say the Shetler show. Can you say it in Spanish? Uh, it, it, that's, that's the same thing. Same shit. It's show de Shetler. All right, that sounded pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so we went. To, so I spent some time down there with him, but just checking out. Uh, just it's so amazing to see how how a kid from Colombia, from you know, I mean, it's a big town, the whole deal, but how he could come out of there and then and see his life progress and see how many people's lives his life has affected and how many people's lives he's inspired. And it's crazy because when I got to the park down there, there's a sick park in, in uh, just downtown Medellin, and it's amazing. We showed up there in the afternoon. We were filming a whole uh, a whole piece with like their kind of like their um, like Dateline show or something like that. Like it's like a like a big thing. There's a huge network called Caracol, which means like a snail. It's weird down there. And uh, they did they did this huge whole thing in like the day in the life of the story of David Gonzalez. And so we show up to the park with all these cameras, but all these kids, everyone's around. It's like, you know, it's kind of like sunset time. And we get there and they're all, el, el, el doctor famoso, el doctor David famoso. They knew who I was. Just oh, my word really? About David and other people. But so all these kids were just running over. And it was cool because some of the kids wanted to learn how, hey, you tell me what I can do when I roll my ankle. Can you show me? And then some of the kids were like, here, I'll do that. And so I was teaching some of these kids how to do some of like the sports rehab stuff on there because they don't have these kind of doctors on there. They don't have like really – they have PTs, but it's for different type of stuff. It's for like old people if they break their hip or something. Yeah. They don't have like these kids, you know, unless you're playing soccer, which a lot of them play soccer, you'll find PTs once in a while. For the most part, these kids have zero money. They can't afford to go to any type of rehab, stuff like that. So they have no idea. And so they're doing these old school rudimentary – like they'll take – Rigid tape, you know, it doesn't, it's like duct tape. Yeah. And they'll tape their ankles. So they have no flexibility. They're putting a bunch of rigid, you know, bone and, and muscle tissue over the top. It's way more dangerous. It doesn't work. And so I'm telling them different ways. Hey, you could do this, do that, but showing them stretches and, and things. But it was so cool to see, um, how, like, I mean, David, obviously he's a rock star as it is, but he gets down there and, and you know, and people just stop and watch him skate. You know, it's, it's, it's like seeing, you know, even like with Sheckler when we go to the San Clemente Park and stuff. I mean, the whole, everything stops. And, uh, and, and, but, and then you see the kids just crush it after, you know, it's like a demo after they're, they're hitting it. Like they're trying so hard and they're pushing themselves so much harder after they watch David. So the thought of how many people you're able to reach and how many people you're able to inspire, how many other kids are there in Colombia that have no chance without a skateboard? Yeah, man, absolutely. And, and on another side, skateboarding is just like, it's therapeutic, you know, and, and it's great. I love when kids skate because they're learning how to problem solve, you know, they want to learn the tricks, so they're trying all these different ways so they find the right way, and, and like, learning that as a life skill is invaluable, you know, for sure. Invaluable, it's adaptability, and that's the whole exact thing, you know, it's just like saying somebody's 
tray flip or somebody's, you know, hard flip is different than the next guy. Certain people's biomechanics don't work the same way. Their neurology doesn't work the same way. So it's exactly the same thing there is, is, is it is a life skill. It's, it's a very unique thing. And talk about perseverance, you know, how many times it took me to learn a kickflip or whatever that I mean. I can't even tell you how much, you know, years and years of broken bones and stuff like that too. I know. And that's what's cool now is, is being able to do sports rehab, um, with, with a lot of the skaters. You know, having that that personal experience makes it that much more effective to these to these athletes. Yeah, you fully understand the injuries, and you understand like what, if I came in there like oh, I did this, you'd be like, oh yeah, I've scorpioned before, so I know yeah. the feeling, and let's work on your neck. <laughs> um, all right. Um, how what what other genres have you worked with? So I think I saw UFC, skateboarding, snowboarding. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So surfing, skateboarding, snowboarding, UFC, um, supercross, freestyle motocross. Um, a lot of those guys. Off-road racing. Um, a lot of the guys that race like the Baja 1000s and those kind of off-road races. Um, you name it. And then just traditional, general people. I mean, you know, your your traditional sports like your jock sports stuff. Um, I, I treat a couple of professional baseball players, um, uh, a couple of football players. Um, so just you know your general stuff. Um, for the most part, but but primarily my practice is made up of skateboarders. I, I'd say probably sixty to seventy percent of our, our patient clientele base are are skateboarders. That's so fucking cool. It's fun. <laughs> it's, that's what, and, you know, and I I need to forward. I'll forward you a couple emails that I get, and that's like the thing back to the David and inspiring people from all over the world. Um, so I'm getting hit up a lot more recently. I'm getting emails from all over the world of kids asking what kind of route they have to go down to become a doctor like myself, and it's so humbling. You just sit there and you go. Really, it has that much of an effect through my Instagram or through whatever people, you know, because I don't, I don't do Facebook stuff really, and I need to. I just, I haven't. Um, we are going to be doing something with the Ride Channel. Um, we've already filmed an episode. We're going to be doing a uh, a whole thing on on preventing injuries and when you suffer certain injuries and you know ankle sprains and you know knee sprains and the whole deal. Um, especially, you know, heel bruises, things like that. So we're going to be doing um, that. Um, I'm not sure how many episodes it's going to be, but we're going to be coming out of that here pretty soon. And then, um, but but I really need to do more education to to people because they need to know. When you are sitting in, in Michoacan, Mexico, or you're sitting, you know, in Brazil or, or somewhere in another, you know, crazy country where you don't have access to this type of internet stuff and, you know, you go to YouTube and see rolled ankle, what do I do for it? And it'll yeah. tell you what to do. These kids don't have that. And so... You know, if I'm getting these emails from these kids other places in other countries, I got a kid in Mexico right now that I'm giving them all, you know, advice and information and telling them next time I come down, I'm going to bring my, some of my old uh, textbooks with me so we can read them and check mm-hmm. them out. Whole deal. But the thing is, is, you know, spreading the word of, of, hey, you know, these kids love skateboarding. How many doctors are there that specialize in skateboarding? Um, or, you know, I hate even this word even more, but it's action sports. So anybody that, you know, ex- Dream sport. It's, they're all they're all horrible. They need to be. Somebody's forgot a way to to say it cool. Yeah. But, um, but thing is, though, how many doctors really know how to skateboard or know what a skateboard is or have the experience in the injuries? And that's what I'd love to see is a group of docs do it. And there are a few out there. I mean, there's a couple doctors um, that are that are that are good. And uh, there's just not many of us out out there that are doing this kind of stuff. It's so. it's rad too because like. Um, there's a lot of people that love skateboarding and they want to be involved with skateboarding, even as they get older and have to get jobs, you know? So there's maybe that's a way to stay within skateboarding too, like sports medicine. And if you do that, then you're going to be working with skateboarders and helping push skateboarding because you're recovering people. Um, right. I wanted to kind of go back to what you were saying before. Um, I noticed like dudes that don't stretch and don't do like mm-hmm. stuff like that, it can literally shorten the time you skate. Like I know dudes that are like, 
I grew up skating with, and they're like a year older than me, or, or even the same age, and like they're amazed at what I can do on a board, and I'm like, you could do the same thing, you just don't like stretch and you don't like use your body enough. So you're it's like called oh. prevention, my friend. Prevention is the most important thing, the most important you know uh, thing you'll ever learn in your entire life. If you prevent something from happening. I mean, things, certain things are inevitable. If you get skateboard, if you skateboard, pardon me, you're going to get hurt. It's just, it's part of the game. Yeah. But the thing is that you can really decrease your susceptibility to injury. And there's the most basic things in the world. See, like warming up, like you just said, to, to most skateboarders, that is a cigarette and a Starbucks coffee. <laughs> that's warming up. It's not, or maybe doing a couple, you know, ollies or kickflips or something like that. That's it. There's no such thing as running yeah. over your toes. And if they do, then it's maybe for like two to three seconds because that's when it starts to hurt. There's so many simple things. Now we are starting to see more of the more of the boys on on Insta and everything. They are posting photos of them doing certain. Like I've seen Manny post a couple times um, where he'll have ice packs over you know both ankles, jump and ropes, both jump ropes too. Like yeah, no, exactly. It's kind of cool to see jump ropes are one of the greatest things in the world. It's like if if dudes were to warm up using jump ropes, and basically all you're doing is you're activating all your muscles, so all your muscle groups. See, people always like to try to think that you can elicit one muscle. Like, oh, you could just affect that one muscle. No, you're affecting a group, okay, what we call a kinetic chain. So you can't affect one of those muscles without affecting the one surrounding it. And so it's great even just doing basic, you know, jump squats or anything like that, um, but stretching your hamstrings. Uh, there's a couple different basic stretches that everybody should do every day. And some people say, well, look, you know, you, know, you don't have to stretch. You know, it's not that important. Look at any animal in nature. The first thing it does when it gets up, what does it do? Yeah. It stretches. Bottom line. And so go back to primitive human. Go back to what, you know, we've been doing since the beginning of time. Everybody's been stretching. And it's just such a, a normal, easy thing to do if you just pre-stretch before you go skate. And then, you know, you know, imagine if you actually put in some proper hydration in the body, um, you know, or if you, you put in some proper, you know, you know, fuel or what we call food in the body, um, you could actually have some pretty good performance. And then let me ask you this. If, if I feel better, am I thinking better? Meaning am I, you know, oxygenating the brain to think better, to become more, you know, I mean, you're, you're, you know, every aspect of, uh, preperception is going to be improved and enhanced. So you're going to be less susceptible to injury. Bottom line, you're done skating. Boom. If you want to post stretch, great. I mean, it's not, extremely important nowhere near as much as pre-stretching yeah. um, but it is still important and then icing you know like people ice is the most underrated modality in all of healthcare people don't realize the importance of ice and i'll it's tell you real quick it's because you're tearing your muscles huh you just need well, to ice them down for sure well also too what happens is you have repetitive stress okay and so all these different things you see when you when you're skating you're tearing like you said you're tearing stuff and you have a full metabolic activity a metabolic explosion going on throughout your entire body so you're producing a lot of what we call free radicals okay those free radicals then go in and cause oxidative stress or damage the cell and that affects and that could be a muscle cell bone cell nerve cells so all your cells are getting affected what happens is they get stuck especially in our we call our distal extremities distal means furthest away from the heart that's our ankles Okay, for the most part, and our knees, super, super far away. There's not a lot of circulation, not a lot of blood flow. So when you put ice on it, it causes those blood vessels to constrict. Okay, so once that constriction happens, it pumps that blood 
back out throughout your body, okay, specifically into your inguinal region in your groin area. You have you know, we call inguinal lymph nodes, and then you got my groin. <laughs> yeah, and then you got and then you got up in here in the in the underarm area, and uh, you have what are called axillary lymph nodes in the armpit. Now, once that like the blood that was stagnant, that was you know free radicalized and everything, gets flushed back through the the lymph nodes are the oil filters of the of the bloodstream. That flushes everything. Then once your body warms back up, those capillaries will then open up and they'll dilate. And then we have that good, nutritious blood come back down. They're bringing with it we call chemical mediators. Okay, That comes in and it flushes, but it helps repair. T-lymphocytes, macrophages, all those good things that we need, all the scientific aspect, you know, comes in and it helps restore. But it also enhances and produces or, or it signals the production of stem cell formation. Yeah. Well, stem cells are what is how our body heals itself and reproduces new cellular growth. So more and more, it's a real simple thing. If you ice when you're done skating, you're going to live a much happier and elongated skate life, bottom line. And so many dudes don't want to do it. And so there's the other one thing I want to get out to, really important about icing. If you ice within 30 to 45 minutes of the initial injury, you cut your healing time in half. Damn. It's the most important thing I could ever get across in skateboarding that people need to realize that if you just ice right away. And granted, it depends on the severity of the injury naturally. But my point is there's so many times dudes will hit me up. Dr. Dave, I need, a, I need an MRI, dude, right now, or I need major x-rays. And I always say, guys, chill till the morning. See how it does. There's places are closed right now. You're going to spend 10 times the amount. If you want to walk into an emergency room, whatever, then you got to do it. Go do it. They wait till the next day and they're like, oh, you know what? It's not that bad today. Or it feels a little bit better today. And that's the kind of stuff that I, I always say, you know what? Chill on a little bit. Ice it down. Ice it three, four, five times a day. And it's going to, it's going to definitely, you know, it's going to help. So. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Please. I'm always preaching my, I got like a gym I go to. I don't really go to lift weights, but I go because it has a spa as well. And I like to relax. <laughs> and, uh, but they got a, a, a heat, um, like a sauna. sauna. A yes. sauna in a heat room, and then they got the pool and the jacuzzi. And I always go, I like to go hot to cold, hot to cold. And my mind, I, I feel like it's like constricting and helping blood flow. I, I don't know if I'm crazy. That's what I'm asking. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's good. I'm just, I'm not a huge fan of heat, okay? And I, I'm not saying that like going into a sauna and stuff isn't good. It's great. You sweat out a ton of toxins, and it's great for, you know, for, for you know, dehydrating the body, and then you come back out and you hydrate the body. That's kind of good stuff. But sitting in a jacuzzi for injuries and stuff like that is actually one of the worst things you can possibly do. Yeah. The, the injury is already inflamed enough. There's already enough heat. And, and so what happens is this, is that everything becomes dilated, and then it goes throughout your entire body. So you can actually cause more pain um, by going to the jacuzzi and doing – and the heat stuff, is that's archaic. That's 19 – you know, maybe 50s, 60s, 70s type of, of technology and research, people would always heat everything. We see it with elderly patients. If you have an old person that's super, super rigid and stiff, and people go, well, I'm 21 because um, I skate all the time and I, I eat shit all the time, so I'm super stiff. I need heat. No, 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 no. They need ice. What they need is flexibility first, and then they need ice. You know, that's the most important thing in the world. So I'm a huge fan. If you look at, like, say someone gets in a major trauma, you know, neurological kind of trauma, rush them to the hospital, put them in the, in the neurotrauma unit. The first thing they do to that patient if they're at risk of death is they put them into a, um, a cold-induced coma. So they'll actually literally freeze the person in order and get their, their heart rate just enough where it still is able to maintain life. And, um, and that's the way they keep them alive. So they don't heat them up. <laughs> that's the one they don't, uh, they don't wrap them in swaddling clothes and you know and put heaters around them it just cooks them and that's the big thing too is like anything when it comes to like the human body cell the, the hotter it gets and the you know more and more and more hot the more unfortunately damage that occurs in the cell you, you basically cook the cell and and that's the reason as to why i'm a huge fan of ice now granted i have to say this you can ice too much you know yeah. people can ice too much and cause 
Ice burns, and they can cause, you know, you ice too much, you can cause frostbite. You could actually cause damage and kill, um, you know, the nerves and the things like that. So you've got to be really cautious. But I always tell patients, you know, 15, 20 minutes of ice on, you're great. Or just grab a, you know, bag of peas doesn't do it. It's not cold enough. So I do recommend, you know, either buying a good ice pack um, or, uh, you know, or potentially just regular good old ice. You know, it works fine. Yeah, I, I noticed that, like, even ice packs don't work as good. I think the best for me is, like, a bag of ice, a shitload of ice. I, my, my gym is at a hotel as well, and I actually just go up to the second floor and there's ice machines, which is the best because I can get these big bags and yep. huge ice machine, and I sit by the pool with the ice on my knees and my stuff and just, like, recover. I don't go in the jacuzzi if I'm injured. I definitely don't because my friend Billy, Billy Drown, he rides for my skateboard brand, and, uh, he hurt his knee at one of the Tampa Ams, and then he got really stoned, and we were at the hotel, and he just was kept his legs in the hot tub, oh, yeah. and his knee was hurt. And then when the next day we woke up, and his leg looked like a fat hot dog, I was like, that's not good. That's no, not good. And I'll be honest with you, the heat definitely contributed to that inflammation. Like, there's no question about it, for sure, for sure. Like, if he were to ice that thing down, I mean, granted, things get larger the next day or the day after, but at the end of the day, you never want to put, you never put heat on an acute injury, ever, ever. That's like the definite, you know, they always tell you rice, which is the, you know, rest, ice, um, compress and then elevate and you know and it's 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 not a bad thing per se i mean I, I do like that i think the first thing you do i mean obviously icing and elevation is is very very crucial for it um but you know the icing thing is is the most pivotal you get that done right away and you're going to have that much better of a of a um, healing you know capability of the human body you ever seen those uh what are they called they're like cryo chambers or something they're just... I have, that, that, that someone just died in one a girl uh worked at, she worked at the facility and she jumped in and do it again when no one actually they were closed or whatever. She was there by herself, and um, she couldn't turn it off, and it froze her to death. They found her the next morning, completely frozen. But I know, I know Red Bull um, here in uh, in LA. I know they have one. The crazy part is, you know, is it that beneficial? I don't know. I haven't done enough research on it yet, to be honest with you, to, to tell you yes or no. To me, when it's that dangerous, <laughs> to me, an ice pack would work phenomenal. But for when you need to, I guess, you know, really get the body temperature down to set the healing process maybe if they've got a serious acute injury like that then i'd say it's, it's a pretty cool idea but to me the how expensive those machines are is absurd to, to spend that much money on that technology I and mean, if you're red bull great awesome. they should they should have just fucking unthought her she would have been fine dude <laughs> <laughs> all right i want to the reason why i'm hyped to have you on the podcast i think it was manny or maybe dave bachinski one of them were raving about you and i've seen you on instagram too because obviously i fo- follow all these skateboarders i'm a fan and uh is because when I was 16, I tore my ACL. I tore it, and I had no health insurance, and I never got it fixed. Like, I still don't have still? an ACL. Yeah, I, ACL? I, I became an I turned amateur, I turned pro, and everything I've done in my skateboard career was no ACL on my left knee. And I didn't know that until I turned pro. Once I got my pro board, um, then I had health insurance. I was getting paid. So I went, and the doctor... I didn't go to a sports specialist. I just went to the doctor, and they did the X-ray and MRI. They told me they they told me they're like, no, your knee looks all right. And then they call me back the next day, and they're like, actually, you don't have an ACL in your left knee. And I was like, yeah, I kind of knew something was up. This is years and years and years and years afterwards. And uh, right. yeah, so I still don't. You never took care of it. No, you I still skate, don't have it. You I did skate in a brace. No, you don't have any instability. I mean. Not really. I, I like worked it out. I, I like did a lot of rehab and I did have issues about a couple years back and I got a scope 
and I went to a physical therapist and I just listened and I practiced the stuff at home prior. Like I did a lot. I got started taking care of my knee a lot better after that. And it's been so strong since, man, which is amazing. I do feel bone on bone, though, which... Yeah, you know, I was going to say, that's my concern, Anthony. I was going to actually, you know, kind of caution you there. Is The issue you run into is you might be good for a period of time. It could be a year. It could be 10 years. Yeah. The problem is, though, is that because biomechanics have been disrupted that significantly, yeah. you have instability. Yeah. The body wants to stabilize in instability naturally. That's the way we were born, okay? It's our innate... Uh, intelligence of our body. So what's going to happen is that it's going to cause that tissue to start, unfortunately, becoming more and more dehydrated. It's going to put more and more pressure onto uh, whether it's you know the femur head, whether it's on the tibial uh, plateau, and all that extra pressure, unfortunately, dehydrates tissue. So as that cartilage starts to diminish, then the bones get closer and closer together, which is really going to offset biomechanics. And then we have the potential, you know, unfortunately down the road is for knee replacements and things like that. So. That's my point, too, when it comes to physical therapy. It's so important that people understand this, is that any type of injury you, you, you suffer, you go through, you have, if you do not rehabilitate it, what happens majority, 90% of the time or so, is that you're going to form adhesions within the joint, okay, or wherever the, the local area is, um, whether that's your ankle, whether that's your knee, whether that's your shoulder, elbow, anywhere, back, um, and you're going to form those adhesions. Well, those adhesions are going to limit range of motion, okay? They're going to limit flexibility. Yeah, but once that stuff stops moving independently, all that cartilage, which needs to get fluid into it because of nutrition, is brought in from motion and movement, okay? So now if we don't do that, that tissue becomes rigid, and rigidity leads to potential more increased susceptibility of tearing and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and once that happens, then we've already kind of pretty much just put the onset for future problems from there. So it's the most important thing you do is, and people go, well, I get injured every day skating. I get it. But we're talking about serious injuries when you tear ligaments, when you, you know, you offset biomechanics of joints. But if you never go to PT and you never actually fix it so it gets just as strong as it was prior, see all my athletes come out of this program that we do here stronger than they were before. I mean, they literally come out of my protocol, I mean, a completely different individual, and I so, love it. They come in just rookies, not having any idea. I mean, I got a guy in here right now for an ACL, and before he'd show up with energy drinks and cigarettes, and he showed up today with, like, a water bottle with a bunch of lemons cut in it, and I just freaking high-fives him because it's like, yes, dude, he's, t- he's, making an, he's playing an active role, but I, I've, I mean, he drinks water now, and he's like, you know what, before you, he goes, I never ran in my entire life. I've never jogged. He goes, now I'm out in your parking lot and I'm doing full, you know, the, the full basic, you know, like football style training and things like that, um, you know, plyometrics and the whole thing. Really, really good stuff. But the thing is he would never been introduced, introduced to this kind of stuff without the injury to begin with. Yeah. So, so you know, it's a, it's a cool thing to see some of these unique individuals looking at different ways and different, you know, aspects. But it changes their life and they think an injury is the worst thing in the world to ever happen to you. Yeah, well, it happens. But if you use it as a positive tool and you grow from it and you're stronger from it and you're, more importantly, more educated after, yeah, you're going to yeah. know what to do. So the guys that come in and listen, you know, they, get, they, they learn a lot. You know, they come out of here with a, with a freaking doctorate or a Ph.D. In, in, you know, in healthcare by the time it's done. Um, yeah, I, when I hurt my knee for years and years and years, there'd always be swelling. Because I, like, obviously, like most athletes, I obsessed over skateboarding. Like, it, it was therapeutic for me, too. So, like, I would go do it to the point where, like, it became unhealthy because I was doing it too much. I was yeah. like, this is too fun. This is too much of a stress reliever. And uh, so, like, I tore my knee, and then it would be swollen for years, and it would for, plague me for so long. But then once I got that scope and I started doing physical therapy, the swelling went away, and I feel like the muscle around the knee is, like, getting stronger because I'm for proactive. Sure. No, you're proactive, is exactly what you just said. And, and there's no question, like, 
I had a, I had a pro snowboarder, and uh, it's a guy named Kazu Kakubo, um, Olympic snowboarder from Japan. He's one of the sickest dudes in the world. He came into me, and um, uh, he came in with a broken jaw. He did this big giant cliff thing, um, and uh, came down super super flat onto a rock, and uh, he fractured his jaw. So full wired shut surgery, everything, and then he tore his ACL really bad, complete detachment. Nothing was was still holding on, and so he came to me for for uh, for the ACL, and I took him down to Dr. Previte down in San Diego, who's Danny Way's surgeon, and he's worked with, I mean, you name it, every top guy, Tory Pudwell, and everybody. Um, he's my go-to guy. If you're ever looking for the for the best ortho in the business by far when it comes to skateboarding and anything like that, he's your guy. His name's Dr. William Previte, but um, he he um. I just lost my train of thought. Um, we were talking about um, injuries and well, I don't even know where we're at right there. But what? Hold on, who did I take or what? I totally just just spaced it. But um, uh, nah, I, fuck it. Doesn't either way. It's it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Oh, I actually this kind of I'm glad you got sidetracked because I had a question and I would have forgot it. Um, speaking of, uh, I'm smoking weed right now. I got my little certificate, so no one can bother me. Um, because of my knee. Because of my knee and, uh, you know, so I went and paid the money and they gave me a certificate for medical marijuana. Right. Do you know, I, I feel like it helps so much with inflammation, dude. I, I don't know the medical behind it, but it helps uh, so much with my joints. The question of the, that everybody wants to know. Hey, <laughs> I got to ask it. <laughs> no, I love it. And we're going to answer that in one second because I'm not going to definitely not going to forget that question. But now back to the guy. So that, that the pro snowboarder. Oh, coach, yeah. Too. So so what he did basically is he had zero fiber still intact. So completely, completely torn ACL. And, but but when he went down to Priva, I went with him. He did the full testing everything. He said, you know what? It's stable enough that I don't think that he needs surgery. Wow. Let's try to rehab it and let's see how he does. We rehabbed it. He got nine freaking covers last year. Wow. He got nine covers. I don't know how. I have no idea. Same exact thing where he was one of those cases that you might be kind of like that though too. You might be one of those cases where your your knee have enough stability or it wouldn't require potentially surgery. But I, I've got to go on for on the record for this one. If you have a torn ACL, my recommendation is surgery. Always, always. If you have the option, if you have insurance, if you have to pay cash, I always recommend because the long-term effects of not having the surgery are, are what really scare me. And that's the reason why I would say the same thing to you. It's awesome that you're not having this problem, this and that. You know, don't do anything until it really happens, you know, if there's a major issue. But if you've gone this far, this long, you're probably going to be fine. You're probably not going to have too much of an issue. So yeah. that's a good thing. I mean, so. I'm 33 now, and I'm really enjoying skateboarding, and I'm actually skating better than I ever have. I feel I am. I feel healthier. I feel like I can. I've been treating my body a lot better as I get older. But see, that's what you're doing. That you already said it. You're going to a gym. You're doing. You're playing a proactive role in in your in your health. And if you do that, you're going to elongate your skate career. And that's ultimately what every single one of us want is to be able to skateboard for the rest of your life. Because you look at surfing, you, you can be 80, 85 years old. I've seen guys surfing, still Man. killing it, still being able to surf, no problem. You can't be 80, 85 years old on a skateboard. It's just, it's just, it's really going to be hard to do that. If you've been skating your whole life, your lifespan is definitely going to be decreased if you don't take care of yourself. So that's why I'm such an advocate for trying to get these guys to, to play an active role. But like what you're doing, you know, it's, it's cool to go to the gym. That actually is cool. It's yeah, cool. I, it's I love shame. that, I love that you talk like this because like I said, I tore my ACL, no health insurance. I didn't have anyone around me with any of the knowledge and doctors are just telling me that I'm fucked basically in so many yep. words. And it's like, I actually had less stress once I went to a PT and once I like I went to someone that had some knowledge and they explained it to me and they didn't try to just scare me out of doing what I loved and right. sh shun it away. So people like you and doing this podcast is so sick because I know there's kids out there 
that need to hear like a doctor, not just trying to scare them, you know? Or well, let me ask you this though: Why didn't they do the Why didn't they do the ACL if they if they did the scope? Why not just do the ACL at the same time? Oh, because I told them no. Because like okay. I just it locked up on me. I think because my meniscus. So they did a scope yeah. and they kind of cleaned out my meniscus. And then they were like, we could do the ACL, but I was like, my knee was feeling great prior to this, and like I was like, let's just see how the scope goes. And then, you know, I'll gauge it on that, I guess. You know, I was just I didn't want to commit to six months. I love it. No, no, and I couldn't agree more. And, and by the way, I do them in three months. I'm oh, wow. wow. Yeah, and it's about three months right now is our average. And I'm, and every case is different. I don't want that to be like one of those things. So I'm sure a million doctors, if they hear this right now, are going to tear me a new one because, oh, that goes against biological time of healing for tissue and the whole deal. But bullshit. What we're doing here is is revolutionary. It's It's really cool to see how quickly these people are healing we're given the proper tools and the proper, you know, rehabilitation, but also the integrity. And that's the most important part. You can heal someone in a week or two if you want, but good luck trying to get tissue integrity or joint integrity. We're getting it all, and they're stronger when they're leaving here. So that's the big difference. They come in, and if I get a guy before that will do, like, let's say he knows he needs to have surgery in a month or two months, we'll get him in the office to do what we call prehabilitation. So we're going to strengthen him, okay. and then they're going to do the surgery. Dr. Previte sometimes will send them in this office the day after surgery to already start. I mean, it's amazing that fast. He's like, nope, right away. This patient wants to get back on it. Let's do it. Then from there, we work them through. We do the basic, you know, your traditional PT, getting them back where, you know, if they had surgery or stitches and all that kind of stuff. Takes a couple weeks there. And then from there, it's, it's game on. And we do full strength conditioning, the whole deal. So by the time they're done, you know, they've done multiple different aspects, multiple different steps, but it's in a short period of time. And that's ultimately for you guys getting back on the board is the most important, important I thing. I wonder, I wonder how many kids were just scared into getting surgery because like, like I said, the doctors don't even tell you about like the alternative road. They're usually just like surgery. And these, and when you get injured like that, you're, you're thinking the worst case scenario. And then someone says surgery, and you're like, I guess that's it. Like, I almost did it just right away, you know? Totally. So scared. So, yep. So back to answer your question. So that's a perfect thing, though. Pain relief. You know, what do you do for pain relief and inflammation, things like that? And, you know, I've had moms come in this office. Moms are professional skateboarders, very well-known professional skateboarders, and ask me my position on cannabis. Yeah. And, and and I'll have to go on record same thing, saying that it's it's one of the greatest things in the world when it comes to pain relief and when it comes to medicinal actual use. People do not realize the, the benefits. And I think if they were more educated, not just listening to, you know, unfortunately all the malarkey that's been put out there for years and years by the, you know, by whoever. Yeah. Um, the bottom line is this, is it's 100% natural. And if you're going to tell me as a parent, you're willing to put your, your son or your daughter on Oxycontin or on a, on a major narcotic that's a highly, highly addictive, dangerous narcotic versus giving them something that grows naturally out of the ground without chemicals, you, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, there's, there's no recorded... Uh, any type of scientific literature on people dying from, from the use of cannabis. People are going to come out at us now and say, yes, there are, and this and that. What I'm saying is this. Compared to a lot of people use alcohol, okay, for, for pain relief. And I get that. It, you know, certain people do. It works for certain people. The problem is, though, is the pro-inflammatory aspect of alcohol, um, just depending, like beers and stuff like that. You know, ethyl alcohol, small amounts, whether it's tequila, vodka, something like that. Yeah, that can help, you know, potentially. But the issue you run into is, is you know, when it comes to, to weed, it's, it's so much, it's, I, I really don't even consider it too much of a drug, you know, I, I really don't. And a lot of people like to put that, that label on it. Um, to me, it's, 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 it's very complimentary to, not just to, to skateboarders, but to human beings. You know, it's, it's, like I said, people don't get all high and go out and, and, and do violent crimes usually or cause problems, things like that. Where other, you know, with other drugs, they do illicit drugs or with alcohol use, they do. And managing pain is one of the most, I'd say, 
controversial but but difficult things in all of healthcare. I mean, there's why do people go to doctors? Get me out of pain. That's all they care about. Be out of pain. Be out of pain. And the thing is, is you guys, you know, I mean, as skateboarders, we subject ourselves to pain so common, so often that if you don't have a good outlet for that pain or in a way to at least just take the edge off, yeah, you're going to be a, a drug addict. I mean, you're going to live on, and and it's not even just let's say even over the counter. We're talking Advil, Tylenol, Naproxen, all that kind of stuff. That's shit. Yeah. And unfortunately, what you're doing is you're actually slowing down the recuperative ability of the human body when you ingest those non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Okay, they're called NSAIDs. That's their Advil, Tylenol. And the problem is it's a misnomer because they don't. What about ibuprofen? It's the worst thing in the world. See, that's the thing people don't realize. Ibuprofen or Advil is the same. It's the same thing. Yeah. What it does is it destroys your kidneys. But what it does is it stops signaling up to the brain. That, that's going to actually help you. It, it, the precursor cells, the stem cells, are called satellite cells. Yeah. And when you ingest a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, you block the signal messengers going up to the portion of the brain called the, the cerebellum and the thalamus. Once that stuff is blocked, the thalamus no longer sends down chemical mediators to facilitate the healing process. Well, so so, so they, block, they block it so you don't feel the pain, but it's also yes. not fixing it. All right. so, but when you don't feel the pain, your body doesn't, your body doesn't heal. But it depends on your pain tolerance. You can't look at it from the aspect saying he's got a really high pain tolerance and so he's not going to heal as much. You can't look at it like that. What I'm saying, though, is if you put a synthetic substance in the human body, okay, such as ibuprofen or Advil or Tylenol or, or you know, acetaminophen, what's happening is that you're blocking that signaling to facilitate the healing process. Yeah. They find that there's a delayed fracture healing. They find the first thing you do when you go to a doctor and you have an acute injury, what does he tell you? Go take some, you know, some over-the-counter ibuprofen, Advil, NSAIDs, what they what They, they give it to you. They give it to you. Exactly. Yeah. And so my thing is this. I'm not anti-drug. I'm not anti-that. Do whatever you choose to do. But there are better ways. Okay? There really are better ways. I put patients on fish oil. Okay? Like a, a specific dosage and a specific ratio of what we call EPA versus DHA. Um, and most of the fish oils on the market are DHA. Fish oil are omega-3 fatty acids. We call essential fatty acids. They're essential to live for life. Okay? You yeah. have to have them in our diet. Now, they're, pro, they're, they're super, super anti-inflammatory. They're phenomenal. They hydrate joints. I mean, they, everything about it is, is great about fish oil. Marine lipid, basically, fish oil. So it does come from fish. Um, that's my, my biggest recommend for, for pain. And then, of course, cannabis would be my second recommendation uh, for pain as well. Yeah, I've taken uh, I've taken fish oil in the past, and, and I, always, I always feel better when I do. I don't know if 100%. it's just the- as long as you don't get it, though, the thing is this. It, it all comes down to the quality you get. And people go, oh, mine's the best. I hear that from everybody. There aren't that many good brands out there, believe it or not. So I sell a brand here, uh, pharmaceutical grade. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. It, it really is because they adhere to all the FDA um, guidelines, meaning the Food and Drug Administration. They have the facilities that are all regulated by that. So the quality and the potency, it's there because it's all independently tested and verified. So it's like having consumer reports go in and say, yep, this is the, you know, the number one quality fish oil we have. Um, that we found it has the highest purity, highest potency, all that stuff. That matters, okay? So a lot of people go to, I don't know, Costco's or they'll go to, you know, like these, these you know, vitamin shops or whatever. Walmart. Walmart, thank you. And they'll buy the, the shittiest generic vitamins in the world thinking they're doing themselves good. And granted, it's better than taking nothing at all. Um, I'm a huge fan of that. But why would you want to waste your money? To me, if you seek out talking to the right doctors, the right individuals, they're going to put you on proper nutrition. Yeah. Nutrition is vital for the fact of this. If we have the proper nutrient stores when we get injured in our bloodstream, then we're gonna we're gonna heal that much faster. We have everything we need, okay, from a from a biochemical aspect to heal. But yeah. you know, think about it: if you're eating processed shit all day long, processed food, and which I do, 
What am I? And everyone does. I mean, come on, it, it's it's realistic, you know. I mean, I live in Southern California where there's like In-N-Out Burgers and places like that, and there's Del Tacos everywhere. There's all these places that people. Yeah, but you guys have good like um, farmer markets and Whole Foods and shit like that. We don't even have that. We just have like you have to drive everywhere and like. That's that exactly. That's the thing is they're they're hard to find these things, but but there are ways, and that's been the biggest problem. I've talked to some of the boys, and when they go on the road, they take these you know these these demo tours, and they'll be in a bus forever or in a van forever. Where they stop at Seven Eleven, they stop at fast food, and but some of these guys are starting to make better decisions. So they're like, okay, well, what else can I get in order to eat this? You know, even like protein bars and things like that. But but ideally, you're going to want to have protein. But my back to the thing of nutrient stores. If you're taking supplementation, you've got all that. You've got extra glucosamine, chondroitin, MSM in your bloodstream, which is going to be great for your connective tissue, meaning your cartilage, your ligaments, your tendons. Um, you want to have that. You want to have that nutrient stored. I do a, I do a thing here. It's a packet. Comes, I think there's like six or seven vitamins in it. And you take that every morning with breakfast. I put every single one of our guys on it. And that's, I think, another huge um, aspect as to why they're, they're, you know, they're, they're recovering so fast is because their body has the proper nutrition in order to facilitate the healing process. It's funny. My lady, she's, uh, she pole dances. That's like her passion. She gets, Uh she's gotten really good. She's competed and she just recently entered a body competition as well. And she had to have such a strict diet, but it was like, they they basically figured it out, you know, like exactly what nutrients she needed in her body, and uh, it was incredible. It's crazy, and she's always telling me to do that, you know, like you should. Well, the thing is, and then when I say this though about the processed food stuff, it's not just to be a hater on the you know on the fast food industry, but the bottom line is you're not getting the proper nutrition. You think about it, if you can sell like a freaking giant hamburger that's this big that has lettuce and tomato and onions and and condiments and everything like that and the whole deal on it, meat, the bun, cheese for a dollar. How are you, how is, I mean, if you think about it, there's profit margins in there. And people go, oh, they just buy bulk. They're buying bulk what? Like meat that goes bad, potentially? Oh, it's frozen or it's just that. The bottom line is they're buying the cheapest shit known to mankind. Yeah. Make the most and the largest profit. You know, that's what it comes down to. There is no aspect of sustainability. There is no aspect of actual nutrition that's, that's even being considered there. And that's why we are seeing such a big boost of like Whole Foods and, you know, other types of, of markets where people are seeing there are better ways to eat. And so, you know, that's the big that's the big thing is, but what do you find on the road? You know, unless you're stopping at certain places, you're not going to know what what to order. Yeah, it takes discipline too. You, like a lot of us have been eating like shit for a long time. So then when you finally get the information, and you know it, and then you don't have the discipline. And you're just like, oh, I'll just eat this again or I'll eat, you know, and sometimes money comes in play too as as well but oh no they're, they're for sure and then you bring it that's the perfect thing but like it's okay for instance this if i told you okay, i'm gonna go eat it like a fast food you know hamburger place i'm on the road what am i gonna do i'm gonna order what we call protein style out here like in and out we order protein style so there's no bun there's no bread you know i want to stay away from that now and it doesn't matter whether you're a thin guy overweight guy this and that there's just no benefit to eat like a bleached piece of bread on top of it <laughs> doesn't sound good when you say it like that no, if you think about it, if you break it down to what it is it's, it's actually horrible they're eating a piece of processed cheese on top of that as well and it's like oh man but cheese is good for you right that's what we all think not that shit not processed Velveeta or whatever that crap is it's not even cheese okay they call it a, a I think they call it a cheese food is what the word is for it then you have the meat that potentially where they get the meat from is it one of those crazy antibiotic you know human or the uh, recombinant bovine growth hormone meat stuff you know steroids and all that hormones, that's the kind of stuff you want to stay away from, but the bottom line is most likely. So when I go to those places, I don't get the bread. Um, I get cheese once in a while. depends upon where it is and things like that. But, you know, and I eat tons of vegetables. I try to get as much as I can of, of you know, lettuce, um, onion, and tomato. So I'm at least, it's almost like a salad with meat on it, if you think about it. Yeah. So I try to, but I don't order the French fries, and I don't order the freaky shake, Damn and I don't it. order the Coke. 
I mean, I'll be honest. Like those are the things. Those are, yes, they taste the best in the world, but unfortunately, they make you the worst in the world. So for me, I uh, I try to stay away from it. I'll have to I'll get the iced tea maybe then, or I'll get you know non-sweetened. I'll get you know, and unfortunately, people just they don't drink water that much anymore. You know, yeah. they have to drink water. That's a it's, tough one. I always am trying to rehydrate as much as I can because I sweat well, like, like this. If you just thought about it, where your cartilage is going to be that much more hydrated, you're going to be able to escape that much better. You're going to have that much more pop. You're going to drink more water. You're going to be like, you know what? This is good for me. And that's the thing is if you look at it for what it really is, water is so good for you, yet people don't drink it. They drink energy drinks now. They drink Gatorades now. They drink all this crap, which is just a bunch of sugar. Now, granted, you need electrolytes, but the thing is you just want to get them from the proper source. Like you need to get it from like a, like a non-processed, non yeah, we don't we don't want to end up like idiocracy where the people in the future they just drink fucking whatever that Brando or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Like, Our crops it. won't grow. We don't know why. It's like they're putting salt water on. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, you're exactly right. It's ultimately is what it comes down to. And so you know, and there is an awareness now that's coming around. But I like to see the awareness in people that have had no prior exposure to it. Like a lot of skateboarders have never been taught nutrition. I mean, you guys don't come into my office and and know a ton about healthcare. I understand it's not your job. But the thing is, though, is what you do care about is being healthy, like when it comes to how much more time you can spend on your board injury-free. That, truthfully, is what it comes down to. I, I, it was so cool. A couple of years ago, um, I was out at X Games in, in Barcelona, in, in Spain, and, and uh, yeah, a couple of the boys flew me out there. Those are the kind of, those are the fun trips. Those are the ones I really, really enjoy. And uh, was, How'd your Spanish go over there? It's good, but it's, it's funky because they have that weird lisp that I'm just not going to, I can't, I just, I speak my, my traditional Latin or Mexican Spanish. Yeah. And it's, so they they kind of you know like wow it's so unique dialect or whatever. Well, no, it's just he's not from here <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I definitely stick out, you know, obviously, and I don't look too you know Latin or Hispanic or anything like that. So it's funny, but people once in a while they'll ask me, "Are you from like Argentina? Are you from Spain? Isn't that you know?" I'm from San Clemente. I just paid attention in school. I just learned Spanish. Just a white boy. But, um, <laughs> but it was cool because when I was, I'm just a white boy. But um, when I was out in, 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 I was in Barcelona at X Games, I saw Chris Cole and I saw Costin with like the full deal, foam rollers and the whole deal. And I was like, nice. But in front of people too, they were showing it off to like everybody. And if we could just get more dudes that actually, you know, prevent injury or warm up or stretch just start showing that like you know when they get to the parks or when they go to contests or things like that i mean a lot of dudes at contests know now because of you know me going to like a lot of the street leagues so people will see me working on tory or seeing me work on sheckler um or majerus or these guys and and it's like wow all of a sudden they go you say you do this kind of work and so they're exposed to it when they've never even seen it yeah like, i gotta come see you i gotta come see you but you know how many times i've heard i gotta come see you and they never come in so if we get a little bit more of those those mainstream guys, you know, it's cool because the one thing is, and that's the only reason that I've I've had you know good success with what I've done here is it's word of mouth. You know, the referral thing amongst skateboarding is is unbelievable, and you know, certain dudes will say you want to go see Doctor Dave or you want to do this or that. So it's all about kind of like referral based. It's a real tight community, obviously. Yeah. And so the same thing works when you know certain dudes will tell you what works and what doesn't work and. You know, what, uh, what type of, uh, you know, whether it's a foam roller. I had an athlete come in the other day and tell me that he wants to start a foam roller company. Damn. And, uh, and it was like, wow, you know, a skateboarder. And, and I was like, that's a sick idea. I'm like, you should, you know, I mean, it, what, what, why not? And the best part about it is it's like, it, it, it really does, it, it plays a role in skateboarding because, you know, if you're constantly, how many, how many of you guys get tight hips? I mean, that's all I ever hear is, oh, my hips are so tight or, you know, this is, this is bothering me or this. And it's like a foam roller is a great, tool to have with you whether you're on the road or whether you are just you know every day when you're done skating 
for you to roll out your IT bands to get some of those trigger points taken care of, it's it's a smart thing. Yeah, my lady, I'm lucky because my lady's into yoga. She's a yoga instructor. She does pole dancing. She's in the body, like fitness. And uh, I have all the blocks and all the um, bands and all the foam rollers. We got the foam rollers with the bumps and stuff. Like, I wanted to say too, um, going back to what you were talking about, um, to digress a little, but uh, what I do, and I think every pro skateboarder should teach skateboard lessons, because I think it's cool to like talk to little kids. And in the beginning of all my lessons, the first thing we do is skate, is stretch. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, I want them, not not for the sake of being in sports and money and fame, I just want them to have skateboarding in their life as long as possible. And if you start stretching at a young age and are more conscious of your body, you're going to be less injuries, and you're going to be able to skate like Costin's age. You know what I mean? Like, yep, be able to true. skate longer and longer. Yep, and it's even like with the guy, you know. I mean, Guy Mariano still does so much. I mean, he okay. works out. He does the full deal, and and it's so cool to see. And, and it's just people think, oh, it's a long career. That's not a long career. That's the career. That's the lifespan of a career as it should be. Yeah. You know, people always go, oh, well, you know, he got lucky or he never never really got hurt. He got broke off for years and years and years and years. But the bottom line is, though, he's still doing everything he can do to maintain. And there's some dudes that have been in the game a long time that are are still able to do it, and they're in their 50s. Like, I was treating Lance for a while. Hell yeah. And, uh, and you know, it's such amazing. He's one of the, like, the first skate movie I ever saw was Search for Animal Chin, and and it's so cool because I, I'd never met Lance. I just saw him when I was, like, a little kid growing up and stuff like that, and and I was, you know, I'd always look up to him and things, but either way, he'd come in, you know, he'd come in the office, and, and to see his ability now, and I don't want to say at his age because he's not old by any means, but to see at you know at close to fifty years old him still killing it, yeah. I love it. To me, that's amazing. That is the average. That is what not even average lifespan. He still has so many more years of skateboarding in him. I mean, there's I, right now I see zero. You know how far he could go? Who knows? Yeah, but, that's uh, amazing. That's so amazing. I agree too. There was like a thing in skateboarding for a long time where it was like not cool to be like professional, like with like with your with your diet and with your exercise healthy. and stuff. It's, it's not. That's the thing is. Being healthy never used to be cool. Remember, you used to eat the, the shittiest food in the world and think it, that was the cool thing, was to eat, you know, bad stuff. And now it's like people want to eat healthy. Now it's like it is actually cool to take care of yourself, to eat healthy, you know, the whole thing. That's, that's the thing that I find interesting, um, that there is a little bit of a paradigm shift now that we are seeing in, in skateboarding. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Um, oh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about stem, stem cells, too. Like, I heard they're like – doing injections into joints and regrowing cartilage and stuff like that? You know, it's the regrowing of cartilage yet is we're not there, um, you know, technology-wise. We're, we're not. We're almost there. And and we will be there, hopefully, pretty soon. And now, granted, you can. There's a lot of stuff like PRP, for instance, which is a protein-rich plasma injections. That's really good. They pull out your blood, they spin it in a centrifuge, and then the plasma separates, and they re-inject it back in the body. And then it really helps, you know, accelerate the healing process in that area. People have had chronic pain for years. They'll get those injections, and, and it, it does help, and it's all natural too, which is a really cool thing. Um, you know, when it comes to regrowing cartilage, I just I think it's we're very close. We're going to have that ability um, to do that. But, like, the artificial discs and the artificial cartilage and stuff, I don't see a place for that because as a living, you know, as a living structure, um, it, it, you can't really put something artificial or synthetic in. Yeah. without getting an abnormal response out. And uh, it, it's kind of one of those tough things. So I know they've tried artificial cartilages in the past, artificial discs and things, and those those failed with a you know, huge... I, I've heard some recent stuff, though, 
there is an athlete that I've had in here recently that went and had surgery with another doctor, and he's done his rehab somewhere else, so I'm not sure, um, you know, what his thing is. But I heard he had some some synthetic ligament kind of stuff put in into his ankle, and so I don't know. I'm interested to see what the what the long term you know, kind of results will be for that. Uh, I haven't, I'm not even familiar with it. And I usually I'm on top of majority of this kind of stuff, but, but from what I hear, and he's a big name guy, you know, the synthetic ligaments, I'm interested to find out a little more research about it. Yeah, that's pretty sick, man. Um, I wanted to ask you also, I, I wrote down a bunch of notes cause that's what I do. It's pretty unprofessional, but <laughs> who cares? Um, what was, uh, I wanted to ask you out of all the disciplines that come to see you like surfing, skateboarding, all that stuff, who's, Got the worst injuries. Skateboarders by far. Really? Skateboarders by far. Why do you yeah. think that is? Is it just... okay? Maybe, maybe let's take it back. Okay, if we want to say I'm obviously in skateboarding, surfing, and snowboarding, I mean by far skateboarding. Yeah. But when it comes to motorcycle riding, like some of the guys that that do the supercross and they do the um, you know, like uh, like freestyle motocross, those guys are taking you know a 250 pound you know bike with them. And they're going 60 to 150 feet in the air and coming down. So granted, because of physics, their injuries are more severe. But, I mean, when it comes to skateboarding and some of my guys that are jumping down 18 stairs, you know, I mean, you got to, I don't know, it it takes a huge toll on the body. So I would say there's a reason why I treat more skateboarders than anyone else. I mean, pardon me, than, than, you know, other athletes. And that is because of the injuries are so common amongst you guys. I mean, it's, it just happens constantly. I mean, how many, it's like asking you, how many rolled ankles have you had? Yeah. You ask the average person, they're going to tell you one or two, right? Yeah. But you, ask, you know, like throughout their entire lifespan, but you ask a skateboarder, they're like, dude, you kidding me, right? So now on our intake forms for our patients, it'll have like, how many times have you like rolled your ankle or how many times have you injured your ankle? And people just like laugh and they're like, <laughs> they just will be like, you know, fuck you. Like, really? Are you kidding? They, they know. That, that it's like it's impossible to count. But I always go off this. I always ask them, well, how many like the severe ones when you knew your ankle was really bad? Like how I didn't know how many times did that happen when it was like a, a career changing or, a you know, you sat on the couch for a month, month and a half ankle injury. And those are the ones we're a little more concerned with. Those are the ones that kind of add up. But but by far to answer your question, skateboarding is, I would say, you know, uh, the, the most invasive and people get injured more in skating than any other sports that I do see. Okay, I have a question, and I'm a little embarrassed to ask it. Maybe it's a dumb question, but uh, I love salty foods, man, and I know that you're into diet and stuff like that. So I wonder, is it because I'm always skating and sweating? Like, I'm always on the go, so my body craves salt? Craves sodium, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's common, and you find sodium in the majority of electrolyte drinks as well, and our body needs it. I mean, that's the one big thing. It's, we, you know, with each cell, we have what's called a sodium-potassium pump, and so you got to have the sodium coming in and, and, you know, potassium and all that kind of stuff. It's a whole regulatory thing, um, which is to maintain uh, basic cellular function, okay? Without it, it, it basically will regulate the, um, the hydration of a cell yep. um, as well. So, the thing is, is that salt will dehydrate you, though. You've got to be cautious, um, you know, t- with that. To me, for taste-wise, I'm, I love salt, but I just try to limit it more so. Is it, you know, that detrimental? They say it can raise blood pressure and things like that. People's blood pressure don't get raised from sodium consumption anymore. They get raised from all the different types of medications and things like that that we're on. That's really what, um, you know, that's what really, unfortunately, does cause problems. But that's been the biggest concern in the past with, with sodium or salt is it raises blood pressure. And yeah. it's... It's not as bad. It's, I mean, it's the horrible processed foods that's going to raise your blood pressure. It's not the actual sodium. But if you do look, if you do label read, though, Anthony, the one thing I will say, like there's a, there's a, like a health food store out here, and they have all these amazing snacks and things like that. And if you read the sodium content, 
one serving is like eight times your daily allowance for sodium. Wow. So you've got to be really, really cautious. It makes you crave food more. So the more sodium, you know, you look at, and that's if you like look at MSG, for instance. People don't even know what MSG stands for. They always know they just don't want it in Chinese food, right? You're like, oh, no MSG, no MSG. You're like, well, well what's MSG? Monosodium glutamate, okay? Monosodium glutamate. So it's a flavor enhancer. So it's really going to open up your taste buds. So you're going to you're going to crave and desire more, and that's not a good thing. You don't want to eat the more foods you eat. It's it's actually we we've found out the the only thing that's ever been clinically proven to elongate lifespan is reduction or reduced calorie consumption. Wow, really? Wow. Yep. Isn't that insane? You'd think the opposite. You'd think the more, if you eat healthy food, the more you eat, the longer you're going to live. Nope, not the case. Why? And the reason why, why a, a big reason I, I believe, you know, I'm also a certified clinical nutritionist, so I study this stuff in depth. The reason why I truly believe that people would, would leave, you know, uh, live a longer life is because they're not putting as much um, pressure or, or stress upon their pancreas. So pancreas is what has to produce insulin, you know, in order to break down foods, things like that. And, and, and the other aspect is, um, you know, for blood sugar and everything. The other aspect that we're concerned with is that, um, the more you affect the pancreas, you start taxing it more and more and more. So if your blood sugar regulation is off, then that leads to chronic disease such as diabetes and things like that. So you gotta be, you gotta be cautious. Um, but, you know, for the most part, you know, the whole aspect of, of food is if it's high glycemic, then it's not good for you. Okay. And people go, well, but there's like bananas, for instance, are high glycemic. Now, granted, but bananas in moderation. I don't eat that many bananas because high glycemic foods have been clinically proven to increase inflammation in the body. No so shit. To me, yeah. So, so to me, and that's not to say don't eat bananas. You no, can eat that's bananas. misleading. When it, everyone's always like, eat bananas, you won't cramp or anything like. In well, no, but the reason why you don't cramp is because of the potassium. Okay. Yeah. So the, the potassium is really the the important part in the banana. But you get potassium from so many other foods that you eat on a daily, or hopefully you eat on a daily basis, that you don't have to worry. But people will will carb load or the banana load up. And I was guilty of that too when I was a kid. Yeah, I was racing motocross as well, and I thought having the, the most endurance was going to come from having, you know, eating a, a shit ton of bananas. And that's not, it actually works the opposite. So it's a super high sugar rush, and then you have the crash. So it's not a sustainable sugar, which is what we're seeing now. Certain foods have a slow release, and that's really, you know, what you're after. All right, I got a question. Um, I love I love salty shit. I I I eat ramen noodles still. I throw all types of vegetables and like meat in it and crack an egg in it. Like I try to do it like so when I do eat it, it's not just like the sodium, you know. And then I love salty chips. What's the health? What's a healthy way for me to get sodium besides eating ramen? <laughs> I mean, ultimately, it's it's eating foods that are naturally high in sodium. Okay, and I mean, there are certain foods. There's proteins that are naturally high in sodium, like seafoods and things like that. Ooh, I love seafood. That makes yeah, sense. See, yeah, that's your best diet thing in the world. If you look, have you ever seen a fat fish? Never in the entire world. But you have seen fat cows and you've seen you know fat animals that we raise look at you know like pork industry and pigs and the whole deal even chickens you know like there's this huge controversy out here in california about how we're putting so many steroids and hormones in our chickens that they're they're too large you know they don't even fit inside of their cages anymore and it's the truth we're messing with mother nature man and that you we're putting that ingesting that food into our body but we're ingesting more importantly those chemicals into our body so you know seafood is by far the most i say the healthiest food people then start talking shit and saying oh well there's there's a ton of mercury no there's not a ton of mercury in food bottom line is this they don't want you eating healthy foods because then you're going to be healthy and if you're healthy guess what they don't make any money off you when it comes to the healthcare system you make money off you being sick that is the whole purpose and so if they can keep you sick for 60 years and keep giving you their medications and keep giving their shitty foods and this and that. They've made more profit on you over your lifetime than you could ever imagine. Imagine you 
extrapolate that and you go to a whole entire town, whole entire city, whole entire freaking state, whole entire country, then what happens? You know, like it's pathetic when I drive cross country or I travel, you know, to Midwest and stuff and I see people on the, on the West Coast, the people on the East Coast. There's a lot more people that are in shape, you know, and then you go to the Midwest and it just slows down. Why is that? There's more fast food. There's more, you know, there, there's not as many, you know, gyms and things like that. And granted, you can find Whole Foods and you can find 24 hour fitness and stuff out there. They're there if you want to seek them out. But here, they're on every corner. So it's a lot easier to be healthy out here and to eat healthy when you have it in, in every, every, you know, every corner you turn. Going, going back to what you said, man, the, the neglect for life, it, it, it bums me out. It's like healthcare shouldn't be for I mean, it shouldn't be a profit. No, 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 you're right. No, no, you're right. It should never be for profit. I couldn't agree more with you. I had this conversation with a patient a little while ago today. If, if that's your God-given right, is to be healthy. Okay? Health is the most important commodity you'll ever have before your skateboard. Before, because if you're sick, you have cancer, you have some crazy disease, you're not going to want a skateboard. You know, you can't. So, and even money too. People think money is the most important thing, or they say time is the most important thing. It's like if you have if you have some you know life-altering disease. And, or, you know, you have crazy, you know, chronic arthritis, or something like that. I don't care how much money you have or how much time you have. That's not your most valuable commodity. Your health is. Yeah. It's really truthfully, and it's so undervalued, and it's taken such for granted in this country. Um, other countries get it. They're healthy countries, man. We're the worst. I don't know if you know that, but we have the highest healthcare expenditures in the entire world, and we're ranked the lowest in healthcare. It's because, I mean, like, they, it's because they don't give a fuck about humans, and they just want to make a dollar. And that's like the shift in the country, I feel, is people are starting to waken up and see the bullshit and be like, no, they don't really care about us. It's, they just care about making a profit. We are, and that's the thing. It's so weird. Like being people would, would ask me, you know, well, would you choose your profession again? Like, would you choose to go into chiropractic versus physical therapy versus becoming a medical doctor? You know, and I was going to be a, an osteopathic physician. That was what I wanted to be, which is what we call a DO. So it's considered like a holistic medical doctor. And when I went to school and I, I met with the dean and everything, he said, you know what, Dave? I, to be honest with you, what your dad did is that's the future of healthcare. And then I said, really? It's not drugs and surgery? And he said, no. That's what people are actually going away from. I'm being honest with you. That's what it really comes down to. And I went, wow. And then, you know, I came across a quote that was up in my, remember, that was in my dad's office for years and years. And I never even looked at it when I was a kid because I didn't appreciate it naturally. But it was a quote by Thomas Edison. And he said, the doctor of the future will give no medicine, but will interest his patients in the care of the human frame, in diet, and in the cause and prevention of disease. And it was so freaking prophetic for him to say that because that's exactly what we do is you know as, as, as at least i do as a chiropractor and stuff it was based upon a philosophy that you're taught is that we're a self-healing organism okay we heal ourselves like i said before when we started this podcast it's not the doctor that heals you granted you have open heart surgery you're repairing heart tissue things like that yes yeah, the doctor's putting in the proper places but does he go in and then tell your heart to keep healing it once he sews you back up no it's an inherent recuperative ability of the human body to do that so, so that's the thing is, if you're aware of that, you know. And then the same thing as well. You know, I spent eight years of my education. You know, I spent four years in a in a, in a postgraduate doctorate protocol. We dissected human cadavers for you know for over a year. We spent a lot of time, but we learned about every system of the human body. And unfortunately, in traditional healthcare, conventional medicine as we call it, you limit the part. So, how many dudes will come to me and be like, "Yeah, I've got a, I've got a rolled my ankle." And and I'm like, well, what else hurts? Well, what do you mean what else hurts? I'm like, well, does your hip hurt? You know, does your back out because you've been walking around limping for the last month, month and a half? How'd you know? And it's like, you got to be kidding me, bud. Of course, that's the thing. But I treat the whole body. Yeah. So I look, at, I look at you as a whole rather than just an injured part. So when you go to like the hospital, you go to see a regular, you know, doctor, 
You're you're what's given an ICD-10 code, so it means you're coded based upon your condition. So let's say you have all these other things. They're going to go to your primary complaint. Well, Anthony, you came in here for a rolled ankle. That's all we're going to treat you for today. Even though you've got major issues going on, a bad knee, torn ACL, whatever, we're just going to teach you for this, treat you for this rolled ankle. Yeah. And that is the breakdown in, 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 in healthcare, medicine, whatever you want to call it, is, is that if you're going to seek out that type of, of healthcare from somebody, but basically you're looking for is, is education, um, it's really important that these doctors don't take advantage of that because you guys don't know. Yeah. I mean, imagine every skateboarder that came in my office, I took advantage of, and I sold them on all this, you know, snake oil and this and that and a bunch of stuff. And then, you know, I mean, bottom line is you guys would know. I mean, in the industry, skateboarders, I would have been blacklisted a long time ago. And the thing is, is that these doctors are just, it's horrible. They're doing surgeries when they don't need to do surgeries. They're not recommending because they get paid, bottom line. You know, they have a mortgage to pay and they justify it by saying that or they got family or they're putting their kids through college or whatever it is. How about you just treat the patient? But by the way, too, I don't know if you know this, but we're the only country in the United States to not offer what they call it socialized medicine, all that kind of stuff, but offer healthcare. Just call it free healthcare because that's what it truly should be. You mm -hmm. know, people always talk shit on Canada. Oh, Canada's this and that. Go look at their mortality rates. Go look at their healthcare expenditures. They're crushing it. Mm -hmm. They're crushing the United States when it comes to that. And people go, you wait for months. No, you don't. TJ Rogers, perfect example. You know, down here, he's got to pay for health care. What does he do? He flies back to Canada, gets his health care, and then comes back down. When he's got the money, he comes and sees me. But and I couldn't I couldn't argue with him. He goes back up there, gets his MRIs for free. Gets I got patients from Brazil. Well, I just sent a patient home last week. Go get your MRI. Go get your surgery. Come back. So the thing is this. I think our system is completely corrupt and bankrupt, and it's 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 jacked. You know, ultimately, we need more doctors that are willing to put in the time. And, and it's not about it's not a money thing. You know, you're offering health care. And that to me is like for the benefit of mankind. It shouldn't be something for profit. You know, I mean, for me to say to you, to look you in the eyes, let's say you come to me and you're going to die because you need to have this, this you know, uh, this surgery or something like that. And if you don't have that surgery, sorry, you only have a six month life expectancy. But because your insurance doesn't pay or you haven't met your deductible, or you don't have enough money to pay me or you don't have insurance, God forbid. And I tell you, I can't do it. I'm sorry. Turning my back on someone's life because they don't have the financial ability to pay, to me, that's criminal. And, and huh. other countries get it, and we and we don't here because it's all about the same bullshit. You know, and then what I'm saying right now is going to offend a lot of people because there's so many great doctors out there that just haven't been educated this kind of way. They didn't have a father like I had that would tell me this kind of stuff. This isn't conspiracy theory. This is, there's, no, there's nothing around this. The bottom line is this. If you went into healthcare. You know, truthfully, you take that Hippocratical oath. Above all else, do no harm. And granted, we're not trying to do harm, but the thing is, you do what's best for the patient. Yeah. You do that man, we would change this whole entire country. Would be completely different. Remember, once again, we talked about pain earlier. The more pain people are in, the more crazy they become. Bottom line, man. You know. Well, think of it, think of this. This is what I always say. Like I, when the recession hit, I, like I said, I grew up in the projects, man. I grew up around dysfunction and poor healthcare and poor diet and just like. The shitty, because you have not not only not only do you not have the money, but you also are mentally fucked up from just growing up around savages. You know what I mean? So I when I I always say like humans are the new currency, and it sounds bad. It does, but I'm just it's what I'm, I'm just saying, right. we got to invest into people. If you and you know if you give us healthcare, we'll be stronger and we can work more. If you let us live like work jobs we love, 
we'll still make an industry and work harder because we're invested. Like I'm, I'm starting a brand right now, and uh, it's it's all about healthcare prevention products. Okay, I'm gonna do ankle braces and knee braces and wobble boards and ice packs and and all these different things that are so necessary yeah. for for you guys for skateboarders. Like and a pack. For- like you could get a. Imagine if you set up a pro pack or something. Yeah, I'll right. endorse it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it, it's true though. And ultimately though, and people will go, well, look, you're doing a product. You're you know you're creating a company to make money and this and that. No, no. My whole entire purpose and my entire mission in this entire project of working primarily with skate. I don't make money off skateboarders, to be honest with you. Yeah. I make money off the general public. I have patients that live around our office in this community that have the greatest insurances in the world. Most of the skateboarders, to be honest, have the shittiest insurances in the world, and their deductibles aren't met, or they can't pay the co-pays and things like that. So for me, it's kind of a tough thing, but I do it out of love and passion because I grew up skating my whole life. To me, it's one of those things where, I, and I love seeing, you know, to me, it's I have a lot of respect for skateboarders, and so I try to give back. So creating this company isn't to get rich. It's to educate the entire world that there is a better way, that there is a new standard in healthcare. Yeah. You know, And I want to set that standard for what we call progressive sports rehab. And if I do that, then I've given back, and I've put my mark on skateboarding for future generations to come, especially those doctors that are emailing me from all over the world asking me, how can I become a Dr. Dave? What do I do? Where do I go to school? What classes do I take? That's the kind of stuff, honestly, that I think matters the most. And so if I can change the lives of those kind of people and they live better, happier lives that are, you know, not filled with injuries, then, then great. I mean, how many pros do you know, Anthony, that had that, that career ending injury and look at them now. Look what their life, like, you know, became. And it's, it's unfortunate. It's sad. But that was the thing is, you know, I've had so many dudes come to me and they tell me they're going crazy sitting on the couch when they're injured. Like literally, I'm crazy. And it's true. You guys go. That's me. I pull my hair out. I freak out. Like, I need – skating is therapy for me. I need to be in motion, like – and it's skating is I'm my junkie. So, like, I need – like, if I'm injured, man, I'm like – my life is in distress at times, you know? I've gotten better as I got older. When I was younger, I didn't know how to handle an injury. As I get older, I do more rehab and stuff, keep myself busy. But it's seriously like therapy. So, like, when when that's taken from you – Oh, right. that my life would not be as enriched as it is. The other thing too, it's kind of a double-edged sword too, because it's like I want to get all these athletes and get these kids in here when they're young. You know, like these up-and-coming skateboarders. Man, it's 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 unbelievable to see how talented some of these kids are. And, and the thing is, is that you want to get them when they're super, super, uh, you know, super young, so you can educate them. But the problem is when they freaking are born with having everything around them and all that opportunity and stuff, they take it for granted. Yeah. So you know, to them, it's almost like, oh well, yeah, I'm injured. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's part of the freaking skate life, but that's like, that's part of the game. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. There's always like, you know, whatever. It's a a test of your character. I've had some injuries where I'm like, fuck, I don't know if I'll ever skate the same or if I'll have a trick this way because I rolled my ankle so bad or if my knee's gone forever. And getting over injuries, multiple of them, that builds your character in it, it for sure. Like, so little kids saying that and stuff, like, that's a test of your character. Prove yourself, you know? Well, I think uh, Jamie Thomas, I actually reposted it. I stole his photo or his quote, and I put it on one of my Instagram things a while ago. But it was about a knee injury and how humbling it was, and it's how he learned how to appreciate skateboarding, how he had taken potentially parts of it for granted. It's not, uh, it was the coolest thing I've ever read in my life, but it came from a skateboarder, true at heart, passionate, like, dude, this is what it did for me. And so think about how how inspiring that was that so many kids sitting on their couch with a torn you know meniscus or an acl going oh my goodness no way yeah so you know this is what i just got from a freaking legend like you know this guy and the whole deal that to me is is great and that's what we need to see more in skateboarding you know so hopefully some of the you know the guys that listen to this podcast as well let people know 
you know, I know you got to maintain that certain aspect of coolness in skateboarding. I get it. But like I said, being healthy is cool. And it really is. It's not just my opinion. That's, that's, that's genetics. That's life. That's how we live. And that comes down. See, people don't, they forget this too. Health is defined as a complete state, not a partial state, complete state of physical, mental, and social well-being, not merely the absence of symptoms or disease. And so, so many guys don't realize that they, you know, it, it's, you have to have every aspect. So if you're injured musculoskeletally, okay, you tear something, that's your, your physical body, then mentally, what's going on in your brain? Okay. Well, if you're down and you're just tripping out and you're you're not doing anything productive. If you're a thir- or if let's let's do this scenario. If you're a 13 year old little kid and there's nothing but negative violence and drug abuse, you're mentally fucked up. Exactly. On no, top for, of having for, a hurt knee. <laughs> for, for sure. But see, that's the difference though is that that you could take a kid like that and you put a skateboard in front of him. You know, once he gets back to like wherever he might be, you know, like like once his injuries kind of subsided, and that skateboard once again is going to offer him that mental escape and that that you know exactly what he needs um and that's the thing you don't find in sports you're never going to find I, I don't know in other sports pardon me like like when it comes to like the jock stuff and the whole traditional you know those type of sports yeah you have team camaraderie and everyone's hyped to be around each other and this and that but it's it's uh it's not the same man it, with skateboarding is you can do it with groups of people and you can do it by yourself and it's still have freer much- it's a freer art form it's an art form too because we don't just conform like they want to turn skateboarding into a sport but then all these lifestyle brands and people that love it start skate shops and like everyone just kind of like it's it's always an ebb and flow like with other sports yeah. i feel like they've conformed for whatever reason or their teachers or coaches or whatever people own the industry that aren't actually invested in the industry well, you just said it they own the industry and that's ultimately once again is that you know and then you see it in skateboarding right now i mean believe me I've, a lot of guys have come through this and this and you know in my office is almost like tmz in a way you know i hear so much shit you can imagine going on within the skate world and i keep my mouth shut because and that's nothing you know that's doctor patient confidentiality but what goes on but if if you know some of my patients i've worked with in the past that are trying to own skateboarding right now and i look at it and i just go man it can it'll never be owned i mean there might be dudes that step up and try to get there but at the end of the day you know i get it there has to be like one person that kind of stands out and obviously tony you know tony hawk's been like kind of that that ambassador i think he's been phenomenal for skateboarding amazing amazing And, and that's the thing is always being that consummate professional i think is you know, is well-spoken and, you know, and, and I get there's guys that go against the grain that can do just as much and things like that. But, but at the end of the day, I love having someone represent skateboarding, you know, like that. And then you have the new generation guys that are coming out and there's some really awesome, you know, guys that are kind of doing the thing. But, but that aspect of trying to control skateboarding, it's, it's uncontrollable. Yeah. No one ever controls skateboarding the way that I think people are trying to right now, at least well, that I've Well, when I started my skateboard company, it was in the recession and like, I've seen all these, like, corporate companies popping up and, like, a lot more contest-based where it was, like, people were doing it for points and all this stuff and profit and, like, all this talk that is just, like, I didn't grow up skating like that. I grew up, like, street skating. I was an angry little kid and skating was my therapy and then I learned to get along with people because of skateboarding and I met, like, the community and I fell in love and now I'm way more social and I skate and, like, to me, I was, like, fuck so i just call my skateboard brand all i need you know because i was like anyone who's out there that really loves skateboarding it's a need in their life so they're gonna relate to this you know what i mean it's not 
It's no bullshit, you know what I mean? It's just a It's the number one priority, bottom line. They sit in class, even if they're in school, you know, like they're even little kids. They sit there the whole time daydreaming. They're moving their fingers around, ollieing, doing their little thing, playing on their deal. I mean, I still do it to this day. I'll sit on a desk right now. I'm sitting here just kind of moving my fingers around. It's just, it's, it's the number one priority when people, whether they're sleeping, they dream about it, they wake up, they do it. And that's what I don't see in other sports, you know? Like maybe surfing and snowboarding and stuff, I do see that. For sure. Yeah. But I don't see that in other of our traditional kind of more mainstream sports. I never I never see that. But we see it in skating, which is which is a really cool thing. But the thing is this too though, it's skating now, the only thing that kinda of bums me out a little bit is how serious it is. Yeah. Now, now that there's so much money involved, there's like there's like stress and shit. There's people that are like really trying to control this whole thing of the competitive and the competition and all this kind of stuff. And it's good because it gets worldwide awareness of it. Yeah. But it's like to look at it and, and to look at, like, for instance, I saw it with snowboarding first. To see snowboarding get in the Olympics, like, yeah, it's cool. And I love, I know every person wants to be an Olympic athlete in a certain, some degree. You know, it's, it's that pride aspect. Like, I yeah, want to be on the Wheaties box for sure. Yeah, I represent my, my country. But the thing <laughs> is, it's so, you know, can you look at, at snowboarding and say, like, was it really good? The Olympics really did it really benefit snowboarding. I mean, I, the progression is only you'll have more dudes getting hurt. I mean, I get it. You got to have progression in anything. But the kind of stuff they're trying to do now, you know, in comps and, comps and things like that, it's a little bit, it's a little intense now, and it it's kind of changed. So it's like, well, when skateboarding, you know, I believe it probably will go to the Olympics, from what I've heard from a lot of the powers that be. But it, I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing, and that's not, you know, that's just an opinion. I don't know. You, know, you I guys, think, I think the I think the Olympics thing is a money thing. Like I think people it, are like, if it gets in Olympics, it'll be mainstream and it'll make more profit for everything. I don't yep. even know if that's true though, because like snowboarding's in the Olympics. But anything that gets too entwined with money, what happens to it? It fucking eats itself. <laughs> exactly, and that's the thing that I think it's it's almost as if we have to like people need to just chill out on the money aspect when it comes to. This whole thing is it's become this huge giant thing with these sponsors putting throwing billions of dollars, you know, towards this industry to get a piece of it. And they're so not they don't even know what skateboarding is. You know, they they have no clue. But to them, they're whoring it out trying to make cash off of it. And it's just I don't know. And they can they can always justify the day and say they should they should work with the athletes and pay those athletes tremendous amount of money so they can like retire and work with them like these big corporations like work with them. What everybody needs, what every comp- company needs, and they won't do it because all you guys are independent contractors. You guys all need to be freaking. You need to have health care provided by the company you skateboard for. That is first and foremost the most important thing that could ever happen. You need to have health insurance, okay? Now remember, once you're independent contractors, they can't because it's considered workers' compensation or work comp injury. What you can, so they, what you can do though, is you can tell them, look, I'm getting health insurance. I need four hundred dollars extra on that, my fucking that, check. That, <laughs> no, I'm I hope smart. That, no, and that's what, it, and it should be paid directly by the sponsor itself. Because think how many of you guys are going to be like, I need weed money right now, or I need to go, I need to go grab some some beer and shit like that. I'm hungry, and they're going to take that four hundred dollars, and they're like, I'm not injured right now. I'm good. What they need to do is they need to pay directly, auto-debit every month. Their insurance is paid, and they know they have health insurance. And if that was the case, you guys would go, you know, you'd come in for rehab way more often than you would if you didn't have it. And you but, stay uh, way but, longer. But the thing is, yeah, you, you ultimately, you gotta, you know, you got to have that kind of stuff. And, and most of the, I'll be honest, uh, probably at least 50 60% of the pro skateboarders in here don't have health insurance. The guys that are on the top of the game that are making a lot of money, they all have health insurance, of course. But to me, I just look at it when certain companies won't pay for their athletes to come in and get yet, and they're like, "Well, we pay them enough," and that's true though. I do ask some of my some of the athletes in here. I do ask some of the skaters. I say, "How much do you do you invest in healthcare per year?" 
They're like, what do you mean? How much do I invest in healthcare per year? And I'm like, well, how much do you really spend? Like on, on your, well, how much do I spend with you, Dr. Dave? And I go, well, shit, you probably spent like three grand last year, maybe two grand last year on your healthcare total for the whole entire year. And they're all, oh shit, that much? And I go, how much do you make, per, how much do you make per year? And they look at me like, I can't tell you that. And I'm like, no, I don't want to know. My point is though, let me guess. It's a lot less than 10% of your, of your, your, you know, your, your income. Yeah. Which is true. I mean, two grand, they're not making 20 grand a year. You know, a lot of guys are making 100 grand, 200 grand, 300 grand a year. The thing is this, if they're investing in their health, and I don't care if it's with me, it's with somebody, meaning, or gym memberships, or personal trainers, or, or, you know, sports rehab therapists, whoever it may be, they need to be taking a percentage of their income and investing back into themselves. And that's the part they're not getting. It's like, make a bunch of cash. Buy some cars, buy some houses, and I'm, I'm rolling. I'm good. Well, no, no, they're not good. That long-term sustainability thing is really an important thing in skating, and you know, and I think it's a really under, under, you know, appreciated kind of thing. Um, you need to have health insurance. You need to have a way to at least to have access. It's so, it's so funny that we're like, you, just, you know, you protect your phone more than you protect your own body. Hundred <laughs> percent. You treat your car better. You treat your phone better. You treat your animal better. You'll pay a four thousand dollars surgery if your dog swallowed some freaking sock or something like My that. My dog needs teeth surgery. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear you, but the thing is, we'll take care of everything else, but we won't make ourselves a priority. And the thing is, it comes back to the skateboarding aspect. You, you know, if skateboarding is a priority, why not being able to skateboard be a priority? Yeah, I agree, dude. And it, and it shouldn't take until you're older and you start. You know, you should get on that early for until sure. Until you rise up, I know, I know, right? And that's the thing. Like I said about you know before too, is that these young kids that are getting in the game that have the parents that are helping you know pay and do this and that. They 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 don't get it because they they've had it all like so easy. They're unappreciative. Their parents come in with them. They put down the freaking black card, American Express card, and they're like, whatever my son needs, my daughter needs, boom, let's just do it. And it's like, but they're not learning that valuable lesson of like that struggle aspect when it comes to injuries, not being able to. So they, they don't get the appreciation for it. Yeah, granted, they've got a great opportunity, but you got to have the appreciation of when you're injured, you look at like, okay, cool. I got now a month to let my whole entire body recover. So yeah. now I'm going to make up for it. And then to put it, but, but even when you're not injured, if you're hitting the gym, all these kind of things, taking your vitamins, you're going to be a happier skateboarder long term. I think in life in general, we just need to realize that our losses and our hardships are what's going to be our strengths. You know, like we're going to learn from that shit and then we're going to be stronger. And if you you keep making the same mistakes, then you're just not moving forward. And, you know, it just takes people to be more self-aware. And that's, you know, weed helps with that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it slows down the mind too a little bit. So, I mean, that's the one thing is I look at I look at a lot of you guys and in very, very unique um, very eclectic kind of spirits and brains, things like that. I mean, you have to slow it down a little bit. I mean, the brain, the way, how quickly your guys' brains work and any, you know, professional athlete, it's not like the general public. You, no, you know, we, learned, huge, we completely- learned creationism from learning skating. We learn how to create, like visually create and physically create. So that when you get into the rhythm of that, that's something to indulge in, you know, for sure. Think about how much physics plays a role. See, the thing is what you guys are doing is obviously it's physics. You would never look at it as physics, but it is 100%. Yeah. So that's the thing is, you know, you're, you're doing all this scientific stuff. It's like you're actually doing something that's very smart. But if you think about the percentage of, of you know, um, human beings that could kick flip a skateboard, I mean, it's point zero 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 one percent. Yeah, to us, to us, we feel like skateboarding's ever, but in reality, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure, for sure. So I look at it as you know, is that there's a lot of unique people, and so sometimes, yeah, you know, if if 
if the weed slows down the brain and it makes it available, you know, but the thing is this, okay, and I'll go on record as saying this, weed is not a performance enhancement. And yeah, this is where most of the dudes are going to hang up and, and not stop listening to the podcast and shit, but it doesn't enhance performance, bottom line. Now look at guys like Michael Phelps and the Olympic swimmer and guys like that that smoke weed every day and still perform at their finest. Yes, you can do that. But to me, would I rather see my athletes go into these contests or go in, you know, to do something, uh, whether it's competition or just to a session and not be high? I would rather see them like that. I would rather see them utilize and appreciate every second of it versus be a little bit, you know, just just a little out of their element. Um, and, and I get it. It's part of the thing. But the, the, at the end of the day. I want to see what they're capable of. So I've had I've had certain athletes that are known in the industry, or, you know, of smoking a lot of weed, come to me and say that's the only thing I kind of look back and I kind of regret. I wonder how good I would have been if I would have never smoked weed. Yeah. And and it, I love that question because it's a well, great question. that question only applies if they're drug testing you. So because <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 they wonder though, like they wonder though, like the motivation is what this guy was specifically oh. talking about, and he said. He's like, it's so crazy. Um, you know, like, for instance, this. You go to a spot. Yeah, but like, I don't think motivation's affected by marijuana because, like, I'm super ambitious. No, 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 not motivation. No, but he, that's where he was telling me, though. He, yeah. he was like, he didn't do – he hasn't done an, as much as he potentially could have done if it wasn't for – because he said, I get stoned all day long. Huh? I love chilling on the couch. Like, I'm not as motivated per se. So instead of maybe going out and taking the next recession or going to the gym, he'd rather, you know, smoke. So he was saying that. But – my point was back before performance enhancement, like I'm saying, now, do you skate better stoned? You're going to have a million guys that are going to say, yes, I do. They're convinced. I'm mm-hmm. telling you from a doctor, from a scientific aspect, that is not the case. No. Now, thinking, doing certain things, yes, you can. It's been clinically proven. People that, that have been, you know, that have been stoned do have higher levels of thinking, cognitive thinking. But when it comes to actually coordination of the human body, I'm sorry. No, it is not there. And, and any scientist or any doctor will tell you that, you know, and back it up with science. Yeah. So as much as we like to believe it, you know, as much as we wish that was the perfect thing, no, it, it doesn't. I think, well, I think what it is is like for dudes that aren't competing in a sport, it's more about a style and like an art form. So to them, that drug actually enhances that side a bit. So like you might not have like the perfect balance, but you have more of a surfy style because you. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, but, see, but that, that's but that's also but the, the whole thing I look at it. If it takes weed in order to have that surfy style, that sucks. Like that to yeah. me, you just had shitty style, and so with weed's gonna make you better what style. If, what if it makes you more relaxed? That's no, not a bad thing. No, I couldn't agree more. I know that that's certain what certain guys do is they'll smoke before because it does relax them. But my only point is this is like ultimately what I, I want to see, like, you know, for instance, this, this one patient that asked me this question, would I wonder if I would have been more motivated if I would have never? My, my other thing, too, that I'm not a huge fan of is seeing it, you know, on social media. I'm not a huge fan of showing these kids that, you know, and, and granted, you and I know that weed's not a bad thing unless it's really significantly abused. But the difference is that these kids don't know any better. You know, I saw my older, you know, influencers when I was 12 and 13 years old that were smoking weed. I wanted to smoke weed then too. It became cool, yeah. you know. And and ultimately, I don't think that's a good. Le- I don't think that's just. It's not good for for kids, you know, well, to really portray that because then skateboarders look like a bunch of stoners yeah. that are you know out causing problems and disrupting this and that, and they're always stoned or they're always whatever. And to me, I don't I don't like that reputation because you guys aren't all doing yeah. that. And well, guys, let me let me clarify. I believe I, I believe. I was playing devil's advocate before. I do like to get high and skate, but yeah. most of my skateboard career, of course. Yeah, yeah, most of my skateboard career, I didn't even really smoke weed. Like I didn't. I grew up without smoking weed because my family and the the violence and the the drug abuse and like 
weed scared me for a long, long, long time. And, uh, you know, uh, you should be able to handle yourself sober in life and on your skateboard first. But, um, what did got, what got me into smoking weed was, uh, I had vertigo. Gnarly. For six months, it, like, lingered. And I'm getting paid. I'm getting skateboard checks. And it says in my contract, if you're not skating in six months and, like, we don't see, like, you're going to get better, then we can just cut your payoff, you know? And I had vertigo for six months, dude. It was brutal. I was supposed to go to South America, and then I woke up the day of, and I couldn't get off the couch. Like, I got up and just fell over like I was drunk, and, like, I kept trying to get up, and then I threw up, and the shit was, like, for a week. I went to the doctors, and they were just, like... They're like they get me. Steroids. Yeah, they give you they give you basically seasickness pills, and that's the worst thing in the world. Yeah. The, the bottom line, the only failure that happened in your scenario was that you didn't have access to good healthcare. See, yeah. once again, you didn't have a proper doctor say, you know what, Anthony, this is you have a condition known as vertigo. You know that potentially, like the, the neck or the cervical spine, can affect vertigo. So let's try these type of therapies or these type of muscle, or let's try some balanced equilibrium stuff with you. Well, Those I was YouTubing that shit. I was YouTubing it, trying. <laughs> no, but good, but see, good for you. See, you were proactive once again, and you looked and you sought out that information. And that's the that's the truth here. That's the underlying whole purpose of all this. Is if you seek it out, it's it's there. It's available. I mean, YouTube is the most amazing thing in the world to go in and and do anything you want in life. I don't care if I want to change my cracked iPhone screen or I want to change my head gasket on my car. There's ways. And even when it comes to healthcare too. I mean, I'm coming out with pretty soon, I think with this ride channel thing, we're going to have a lot of stuff on injury stuff, like I said, prevention. And then I'm going to also put some stuff up as well, just videos. So dudes all over the world can look and say, oh wow, so that's what I can do to strengthen or I can do this to stretch or that. So that's the important thing too is, you know, really awareness, you know, and that's, there's not a lot of it right now. Yeah, totally, man. And when those videos come out, I'm definitely going to reshare them and repost and all that stuff. Because, like I said, growing up, dude, I wish I had, like, I wish I could have called you when I was younger and going through all this shit. You would have, you would have saved me a lot of pain and stress. Like, the crazy part, I, people say that to me all the time. Like, you know, where were you, you know, 10 or 20 years ago? And, and it, yeah, I hear, but there was a guy. There was a guy named, like, Barry Zarinsky, who was Tony Hawk's, like, on that Huck Huck Jam thing. <laughs> yeah. He was this crazy, freaking, like, like, therapist. I don't know, even. PT or whatever he was, um, but sports rehab guy, and he was with him the whole entire tour. I remember being a little kid and seeing that, being like, "Oh, that's such a cool job." So believe it or not, I think that may have played a role in my whole, you know, aspirations towards being a, you know, sports practitioner. And and the thing is, it was cool. Last year at X Games out in Austin, um, I, I met him. He was there. Wow, hey, no way. And, and we got to wrap out, but he didn't know, of course, you know, know who I was because did he look like he did in the videos? He, the same looks almost identical. I mean, <laughs> the same crazy attitude, but the coolest thing about him was that he told me that he goes, "Never stop being different. Never stop being who you are. And never, never stop. These guys are the best, you know, fuckers in the world. And keep working with them, and this and that. And it was just so cool because I don't know. It was just it's like not him passing on the torch by any means or anything like that. But he was so hyped to hear some of the names of the guys that I was because he'd ask me, "Who are you working with? Who are you working with?" And he heard like Riley Hawk and all this stuff, and he's like, "No way. I knew Riley when he was." You know, this big, and he was barely able to even ollie on the ramp, and but it was just cool to hear the stories this guy told. But how many of the lives that he affected, and and, and Tony said it a couple times, and I don't know why I still remember this stuff, but he said, you know, if it wasn't for Barry, we wouldn't be able to do this. Like we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to do this, and that's not true. I mean, granted, the skateboarder has to perform. People ask that sometimes. You know, like I don't know if you saw the whole Nigel Houston thing when he uh, when he won the street league. He took a really bad fall. And uh, it's on YouTube. It's a really, really pretty crazy thing. It's called Street League Miracle. Yeah. And it's on, it's on his YouTube channel. But either way, um, he couldn't walk the morning of the competition. And, uh, you know, and his mom called me up and said, hey, come on up. 
um, you know, please, can you come work on him, this and that. And, and I was a little apprehensive based upon the other, you know, kind of guys that I work with and stuff like that. I said, you know what? Okay, fine. Um, I'll see what I can do. And I hit up some of the boys and then I do whatever. It's all good. So went up there. Long story short, he won the contest. Okay. He won. You helped him, motherfucker. Like, dude, you, you freaking, you, you helped him. And I was like, well, guys, no one wanted me in my services up here. So what do you expect? Like, he, you know, they reached out and I went up and he did. But the bottom line is this. I wasn't the reason Nigel won. I was the reason maybe Nigel chose to compete that day. But Nigel won because he landed his tricks. Yeah. Bottom line. No one else made Nigel land his tricks but him. Plus, so the, you got to do what you got to do. You you're, you got the gift. You got to share it. <laughs> it was cool. But the one thing I will tell you, that video has, like, I think 500,000 hits now. Wow. So now 500,000 kids go, oh, wow. So there is some therapy. There is some this. There is some that. Like, they opened them up to seeing that Nigel didn't just show up and was like, you know, once again, he worked that day. You know, I mean, I heard him. Like, I worked on him for a good solid hour. Before he, you know, before he went out and just started rolling around, yeah. and uh, you know, because I'm mobile, I take all my equipment with me, you know, like a lot of these events, and and it worked out that day. But the thing is, at the end of the day, you know, Nigel's the only person that won that contest. I got I got something I want to ask you. Um, my buddy actually, he's actually in the other room. Uh, it's my lady's brother. He's such a good kid, man. But he's trying to be a physical therapist. Do you have any uh, advice or anything for him? Yeah, I mean, definitely the thing is this. You're going to learn a certain protocol in school. He should be a physical therapist to go to school. We know I, I like the degree in exercise science. I like the degree in kinesiology, but more kinesiology, to be honest with you, a little more serious than that's exercise the science. That's the taping, right? I'm sorry? Kinesiology? No, 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 that's kinesio taping, but the actual degree you can get is a bachelor's of science in kinesiology. Okay, and that's that's what I have as well. So you learn the human movement body pattern. Pardon me. You learn the uh, movement patterns for the human body. Okay, that's kind of really what it teaches you. A lot of anatomy, a lot of physiology. That's great where you start to become a PT or a sports rehab specialist. And then you're going to go to a school. Now all the schools are the same. They teach the same exact type of curriculums and things like that. Now as a chiropractor, I was exposed to a lot more different um, types of, of treatment protocols and things like that. But at every school, regardless, you have these specific clubs where you have like the sports rehab club or you have the golf club or you have the whatever. And they specialize in those types of injuries and this and that. So every chance, every chance I had to go to some of these, um, you know, uh, what they call them continuing education seminars to learn more and more techniques and better ways and how to treat. Um, that's where you really learn. And then you also intern. You go and you freaking make yourself available at any clinic you can. But you try to seek out. You know, like I have a kid, I have a kids come in here and intern for a month. I've had a couple guys come from Madrid, Spain. They came in here and interned for a couple weeks. And then I had a, another uh, doctor intern here for a month and a half from Brazil. Um, another guy came from Mexico. And just to learn what, what protocols, what techniques, they're not a, it's not a secret. I'm not trying to hide this from anybody. Um, so the thing is, you know, it's, it's an important thing, um, you know, either way that, that he, he goes outside of traditional physical therapy and finds other ways to learn to become, you know, a better, a better sports practitioner. I mean, ultimately that's what it is. So there's a lot of sports practitioning clubs out there. There's a lot of, you know, membership things, but getting in, doing the internships and the locations where they're already doing this, going out and saying, Hey, I want to, you use me however you need to use me. I'll scrub your floors every day, but I want to learn and see what you're doing. And then from there you go to physical therapy school, then you go to a job somewhere. Never start out on your own. I never, I never recommend that a doctor or a therapist start out on their own. They okay. need, I so just be, you need a mentor. You need to work with like in a group or you need to work with a couple other doctors to see how it works. Because yeah, we come in out of school, you know nothing. 
you know stuff, you know textbook stuff, but you really don't. They don't teach you how to be a businessman. They don't teach you how to do all these kind of things that you need to know. Yeah. So it's really good to go work for, you know, getting around other doctors and you've seen what type of protocols they're utilizing, what's working. And then from there, you know, it, it's that much more beneficial to not only the doctor, but to the patient itself. Yeah. So, you know, but for education wise, you know, it's cool. Become, you know, becoming a PT, I think it's, it's a great, you know, great career, especially if you get to work with the kind of athletes you like working with. And that's where it's great for me because I'm able to work with guys like you. You know, to me, it's, it's fun every day. It's not work. Now, I used to work in other doctor's offices where I would just literally adjust necks and backs all day long. And I went, this is horrible. This isn't what I went to school to, to do. And then, you know, Ryan Sheckler, um, he was my first patient, my first pro skateboarder, wow. and which was huge. You know, obviously, you couldn't ask for a, for a better skateboarder. So, I mean, I owe a lot to him um, for how many dudes that he referred in and, and how much credibility, you know, by him coming to me, it gave me throughout the skate industry. And so, you know, that's where it really started from there. It really built from that's there. A, that's amazing, man. I want to ask you, too, about schooling. Are you just – are you good at school? Because you seem like you really – are you, you know just what? good at school in the fact that, like, only shit you like? Are you good at math, too? Or No, I, I, no I'm horrible at math. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I'm horrible at, at chemistry. Um, you know, I was in art when I was a kid. I was into graphic design. I loved I loved art. That's just – that's what I did. But see, if you can, if you can combine that artistic brain – with the legitimacy of becoming a doctor and and actually learn your your stuff, then then it's a great combination. And that's the thing is my perspective is so much different than someone who's phenomenal at doing trigonometry and calculus and all this kind of stuff, going in from a very scientific, robotic, you know, kind of aspect. I see it for what I see the colorful, like you just said, like the art aspect to the human body. Yeah. So for me, I see the potential in the human body. Whereas a lot of these, these, you know, stale practitioners, they don't, they have no rapport with their patients. They don't, they can't kind of, they can't relate with the patient. And so that's the, the other number one, you know, complaint I hear. Yeah, I went to the doctor and he knew nothing about this and he told me to stop skateboarding, all that kind of stuff. You're like, wow, it's such a disconnect. So you stop going to the doctor. Yeah. So for me though, schooling was, was tough. Um, I, you know, I was lucky because like I said, I was raised around it. But I wasn't raised taking board examinations and learning the technical, you know, terms and the whole deal. I just had a little bit better of a sense when it came to the hands-on than than most of the other students did. But I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it was it was a really tough road, but it was the most rewarding road that I ever took yeah. for the fact that I can affect thousands of people. And you know, and, and I'm a huge fan of social responsibility. If you can look back at your life and know you had a positive effect, okay, not a negative effect, but a positive effect. On hundreds of thousands, thousands, hundreds, whatever it might be, millions of people. I mean, talk about just amazing. Like that to me is the greatest thing in the world. That's what I'm trying to do, and that's why I like utilizing the social media of my athletes to spread the word of health. Like to me, it's not a bad word. It's cool to be healthy. And so the more and more guys that come in, like Desenzo posted yesterday or day before, you know, he dislocated his shoulder and the whole deal. And he's like, at least his first opening line in the Instagram comment was, at least I have Dr. David Sales. To like realign this. And I got, I forget how many, another like 100 something followers that fast. Yeah. They go, oh wow, he works with so and so. He works with Abe or he works with, you know, um, some of these guys are like, well, where did this guy, how did he, you know, do this? And so it intrigues other people that potentially know they don't have a skateboarding career. So they're going to figure out another way to stay around skateboarders. And that can be healthcare. And yeah. that's what I figured out. So after I was adjusting all these necks and low backs, I got over it. I was done. I was like, dude, this sucks. And then Sheckler came in literally three days later after the first visit. I was on a plane flight. He flew me private jet with his whole crew out to uh, Boston to a do tour contest, and he won. 
And it was cool. Wait, wait, I think was it in the garden? I think I was there. I skated. Yeah. I skated in it. Yeah, it was. <laughs> you were there. Yeah, yeah. And Desenza got Desenza got second in that contest, and uh, I'll never forget it. That was my first contest I ever did with them. I still have all the photos from it and stuff. It's funny. I'm. Well, I was there. We were in the same fucking building, dude. Nice, I, nice. Got, I made the. I made the. I think I made the finals in that, and then I probably got last in the finals. That's like the best I ever did. Nice. Nice. <laughs> that was I pretty remember, stoked. That was pretty. Stoked. I remember it like it was yesterday. So that was the first trip that I got to do with him, and then literally a week, the next weekend later was X Games. Wow. And so, and he didn't bring me to X Games in the beginning, and then he got hurt um, while he was skating there. He, you know, he was doing a rail, and he went, he fell off like a six foot, like it was pretty high rail, straight to his back, couldn't walk and stuff. And so, so I get a phone call, and I'm like, get up here now. And I was with patience and stuff. So I'm like, what do you guys want me to do? They're like, dude, just get up here. So I got up there and uh, worked on him, and then everything was good. He was, you know, skating. It was him and Paul in the finals, toe to toe. And I think, I think he was like defending his, his X Games, you know, gold medal and the whole deal. Boom, got injured, and uh, it was in the finals, though, like one of the last tricks, and uh, he tore a ligament in his ankle, or in his foot, super bad, and required surgery and the whole deal, and so then I did all of his post-op rehab, and then he came back and he won, he won, uh, he won X Games, um, that, that, he won gold, Damn. the next one back. That's one good thing about sports, is there's a lot of drama in it, that's like, I love drama, <laughs> sports yeah. captures it, like, that's why I don't mind... I don't mind that skateboarding is a sport. I just it just can't only be a sport. Like cause for sure. Yeah, but I love that. I love those. It's too limiting of a term to be honest. Just to call skateboarding like oh it's a sport. I, I skateboard like but I but I remember that you guys get bummed out. Never call it a hobby. Could no, you ever call skate? No. I mean, see, it's a lifestyle. It's a, I mean, it's just it's my life. That's how people you live to do it. It's not a hobby. A hobby is like something you do when you're bored. Like sure. skate, like you live to skate. You're like I can't wait to go do that. I can't wait to get better. I can't wait to you know like. <laughs> Fuck, David, dude, we could do this forever, but I gotta go to bed. Yeah, I'll get, I'll <laughs> I'm good. I'm on the East Coast, so um, but damn, thank you so much. It's it's been an honor to sit down and talk with you and pick your brain and play devil's advocate and. I love oh, it. Yeah. Thank you so anytime, much. Anytime you want to do it again, let me know. I, I you know I'd love to do uh, and even when it comes to just you know advice and for even if you guys you know if you ever get like. I'd love to do something live too with like callers. You know, when guys call in and say, "Hey, man, what do I do about this?" and they're gonna start hearing a pattern, Anthony, over and over again. Oh, well, you have this type of an injury. This is what you need to do. You know, it's real simple steps, but it's gonna start sticking in, dudes. You know, hopefully today, what I want people to take out of this this podcast is ice. They ice within 30 minutes to 45 minutes of the initial injury. They cut their healing time usually in half. Yeah. If they just do that basic step, boom, they're gonna live a much happier skate life. Well, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do my best with my podcast. We actually just hit like a hundred thousand downloads, like on the last episode. And every guest I have on, I get new subscribers. So, and it's all it's all over the world too. It's crazy. I have a map and it lights up. It's like Brazil and U.S. are like the biggest markets. And uh, so I'm gonna do my best to share this with people. If if people want to hit you up and ask questions, what's the social media? You know, best thing to do is probably my Instagram, which is just Dr. David Sales, which is D R David S A L E S. Um, that one's always the best one, and then um, for the most part, that's the only one that I really use. I don't use Facebook yet too much, um, but but Instagram seems to be seems to be the best. Or my website, which is nextlevelrehab.com. Okay, cool, cool. And uh, to all my listeners, since we talked about bananas earlier, make sure when you go to his Instagram, just put the banana emoji a bunch. I'm gonna go do that actually right after I hang up. No, bananas aren't bad. I'm all good with bananas. I just <laughs> limiting consumption of bananas only because they're high glycemic. That's banana hater. You suck, yeah. bitch. <laughs> no, seriously. Thank you though. I appreciate. I appreciate you coming back on. We'll let some life pass, and then we'll meet up again and do it again. Sounds great. Thanks again. Take cool. care. Peace, Dave. Okay.
One last thing. If you listened to this episode and found it really useful, please share it. I know like this conversation helped me out a lot. So if you know any friends that have been through a gnarly injury and could benefit from this podcast, just share it with them. Hang on, brothers and sisters. Liberation is near. It's almost time.